This program contains material or language which may be considered objectionable. Parental guidance is suggested. father, Tony J. Mirabella, and residing in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, Mr. Money on the Mic, say hello to the bad guy, Jeff Jackson, I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum, unscripted, uncensored, unbelievable, it's unplugged. Why, oh, why didn't I take the blue pill? We are the best in the world at what we do. And it starts now. Guys, good evening and welcome to another edition of Unplugged right here on the SNS Radio Network. 
I am, of course, as always, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. And, man, we have a show for you tonight. We're going to be running down what happened on last night's go-home edition for TLC, Monday Night Raw. This Sunday, the championships, quote-unquote, officially to be unified. No more WWE and World Heavyweight Champion. There will be a unified champion come this Sunday, or so we'd like to believe. We're also going to be talking about uh, this day in wrestling history with Sean Beckerman. What happened last week on NXT, and a little later on the bro, on the and a little later on on the program, we're going to be running down the latest news of the week, sponsored by our good friends over at Wrestling-Online.com. That being said, ladies and gentlemen, joining me on the broadcast, he is my co-host each and every week on this particular program. Ladies and gentlemen, all the way from New York City, he is the Bronx father, Tony J. Mirabella. Yeah, joining you just in time. Skype's decided to be a dick tonight. I know. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? All my settings are the same, man. What do you mean you can't hear me? Oh, it wasn't you. I just had to restart it. Ever since Microsoft took over this program, it just it hasn't been working the same, man. just hasn't been the same. But... Good way to end off a crappy day for me today, but uh, made it just in time. So hopefully I sound okay and we'll be good. No, you, you're coming in fine on my end. That's all that matters. As long as the listeners can hear my lovely baritone vocals, then we're set. Well, then I think we're going to be okay, man. It's all good, man. How you been, brother? How's it up there in... Uh, Snow country. Snow country. I, I'm covered in about like two feet of snow here at least. I mean, it's been rain. It's not raining. Well, okay, it's rain in the frozen form. It's been snowing pretty much uh, since last week. I mean, I, I didn't work at all this past week. Literally been home doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, my father-in-law has, has moved in with us, so we've been going through quite the change here at the house. And uh, we got new furniture, which is our Christmas present uh, early. So I have been, today especially, moving furniture around and getting rid of stuff that we don't need anymore. I've been busy. Despite the fact I haven't worked in a week, I have been busy. Well, get ready to laugh hysterically. I couldn't get into work today because we had a mighty three inches of snow, and that basically paralyzed everything. And I was telling someone on the phone, I'm like, man, my, my friend and co-host Jeff, he lives up in Canada. Those motherfuckers get like five feet and manage to get shit done. And this city's crippled with four inches. It's amazing. That is pretty ridiculous, man. I'm telling you, but I did the same thing, man. Stayed home today, kept busy, got some things done around the house. And uh, what else can you do? It was just, you know, hopefully tomorrow weather's going to get better. But I love winter and I hate it at the same time. You know, I, I like the holidays. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm I'm a huge advocate of uh, cooler weather, but I don't know about this weather. Like, you know, when we're hitting like minus 30, minus 40, I'm not digging it, man. I mean, today was minus 20. I got up this morning, thought I was going to go to work, and it was snowing, and I was like, nah, fuck that shit. Took the kids to school, went and got gas in my car. Ah, fuck that shit. I'm going home. And I thought I'd relax and have a nice relaxing day, but that didn't happen. So it is what it is. Yeah, same here, same here. But what can you do? We are here. We After are here. what was an interesting end to Raw last night. We'll get into that in a little bit, but uh, very, very interesting. Well, before we get too uh, fascinated with the happenings on last night's Raw, we do have something we need to take care of. We're going to check in with Sean Beckerman and revisit this day 
in wrestling history. It is time to hop in that DeLorean to go old school, to rewind and relive all things retro in wrestling, courtesy of the Beyond the Bell podcast here on the SNS Radio Network. We present this day in wrestling history. On December 10th in 2000, Kurt Angle defeated Stone Cold Steve Austin, Triple H, The Undertaker, Rikishi, and The Rock in a six-man hell in a cell at Armageddon. The big spot of the match was when The Undertaker chokeslammed Rikishi from the top of the steel cage onto a flatbed truck. It was a huge drop, and just as awesome was the reaction from both Stone Cold and The Rock, who stand inside of the cage. A great spot, and a monumental moment in wrestling and hell in a cell history. Catch your pro wrestling nostalgia podcast, Beyond the Bell, each and every week on the SNS Radio Network. For this day in wrestling history, Sean Beckerman signing off. Until next week, stay old school, my friends. You know, Bronx, I remember that uh, particular pay-per-view like it was yesterday. I remember the SmackDown going into that pay-per-view, the Armageddon uh, what was it, back in December of, uh, I want to say, 2000, 2001? It was 2000. I remember that uh, the SmackDown going into that was in Little Rock, Arkansas. And I went to the SmackDown, and uh, the SmackDown was pretty good. But I remember watching the pay-per-view that Sunday and thinking to myself, you got to be kidding me. The Undertaker just pushed Rikishi off the fucking top of the cell. I mean, to this day, that's still one of those moments. Now, now granted, it's not as it's it's not as... Uh, brutal, I guess, is Mick Foley being thrown off the top of the cage, you know, through the table. But the image of 400-pound-plus Rikishi coming off the hell in the cell and landing in that truck full of hay bales was pretty impressive. you got to admit. My exact reaction was he's dead. He's fucking 
dead. I don't care if there's hay in the truck. I don't care what's in it. I remember that too, man. I don't remember the SmackDown before, but I remember that moment. And I was like, the hell? I'll tell you, Rikishi, probably one of the best big men of all time. He could he could bump his ass off, no doubt. And, I mean, it was so so cool to hear Kurt Angle's music. I miss Kurt Angle in the WWE. You and me, you and me both, man. I, I will say this. When he fell off the top of the cage, courtesy of The Undertaker, I didn't think Rikishi was dead, but I thought, man, the shocks on that fucking truck are dead for sure. Oh, yeah, that shit wasn't driving anywhere after Rikishi went through it. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, but I, I'm with you, man. I miss Kurt Angle in the WWE. Look, I mean, I liked Kurt Angle's work in TNA, don't get me wrong, and I'm not going to bash TNA, but I will say that I think Kurt Angle's best work to date is still in WWE. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Even even the shit that they did, although I never, I never liked Austin as a heel, but even all that shit they did when he and, and Kurt were having those funny moments together, and then, of course, you have to go back to, to the, the wrestling. I mean, some of the matches that he had in, in WWE, and when he came in, you know, he was such a prick, that Olympic goody two-shoes drinking the milk, and, uh, you know, I, remem- I remember him in that match, and, yeah, that was... That was a crazy freaking hell in the cell, no doubt. I mean, as far as TNA goes, I can think of two feuds right off the bat that I would put up there with his WWE run, and that would be his run with Samoa Joe and his run with AJ Styles. I still remember him doing the running Centon plancha off the, the ramp to AJ Styles. I'd never seen him roll into a ball and hit AJ Styles from the stage, and I thought it was the most impressive thing I'd ever seen Kurt Angle do. But, I mean, as far as his complete career i think that his best moments were in the wwe and and that's again not taking anything away from tna i just think that kurt was a was a more solid performer a more well-rounded performer uh when he was working for vince oh yeah and i'm not shitting on tna either i mean i could sit here and tell you some great matches he had in tna tna's got nothing to do with it i'm just saying that he you know when i was first introduced to him and and that kind of when he came in with that snobby character, I'm an Olympic gold medalist and carrying the medals everywhere with him. I mean, just heel Kurt Angle was such an asshole that you had to love it. Well, I mean, from the moment he debuted in 99, I mean, his whole thing was he was the, the most celebrated real athlete, you know, which which, again, if you think about it, sticks in the craw of every professional athlete out there, whether you're a wrestler or whatever. You know, for him to come in and say, yeah, I'm a legitimate Olympic wrestler and you guys are all fake. You know, I'm the most celebrated real athlete. That was really, I mean, he was such an obnoxious bastard. You couldn't help but fucking love Kurt Angle. Those of you that hated him when he first debuted, you grew to love him later because you hated him so damn much. That was that was the beauty of his of his gimmick and his character. Oh, I remember seeing him live on Raw when Triple H first returned from from the quad there and Triple H is, you know, Garden's going nuts. Everyone's loving on Triple H, and out comes Kurt Angle. Boo! And he talks shit on Triple H, and then Triple H just starts choking the shit out of him. <laughs> it was great. I will say that, you know, looking back on, on that time in Kurt Angle, uh, Kurt Angle's career in 2000, you know, being uh, he'd only been there, what, less than a year. He'd been the king of the ring. Uh, he'd already been the intercontinental champion, the European champion. He won every major title you know, in less than a nine-month span and became the WWE champion and had a great run, you know, had great feuds with The Undertaker. That Hell in the Cell, you know, in December of 2000 was amazing. You know, for him to retain the belt 
in a match with those guys uh, was something pretty impressive. And and I just I look back on that run uh, of Kurt Angle in 2000, and I think, man, it'll never happen again like that. Yeah, and to close it out, man, not to not to you know discount Rikishi. I mean, he was. He was entertaining. I, I personally love the too, the too cool gimmick. Excuse me. I know a lot of people, it, I don't know, people made fun of it and everything. But I thought that too cool gimmick when he would come out there and all macked out and shit. And I'll tell you, big dude could dance. I mean, he did it right. I mean, Tensei and Brodus, no fucking way can you guys even come close to Rikishi. That gimmick was great. He was a, a very agile big man. I miss Rikishi. I wish they would bring him back in some role, maybe managing his sons. That would be awesome. Well, I mean, he was he was back for what like one night only, not too long ago, and he did something with with his sons, but I would love to see him back in some capacity. You know, I would especially like to see him as a uh maybe a manager for the Usos, you know, kind of like a an offer for the Head Shrinkers kind of thing. Uh, you know, I, I just think it would be a good way to bring him back into the fold and to really do some cool things, you know, with the next generation uh, of the Samoan clan, you know, specifically his sons. But I think my favorite Rikishi moment of all time to wrap this up had to have been the uh, I think it was the 2000 Royal Rumble or maybe it was 2001 when Too Cool was in the ring and then Rikishi came into the ring and they were fighting each other. And then Rikishi came in and they all danced. And then as soon as the dance was over, he threw both of them out. Best Rikishi moment ever right there. Yeah, I remember that one too. Yeah, it was, it was great. Three of them were good together. Eh? You, you notice how excited we get when we talk about old school wrestling? We brought this up so many weeks in a row, how it's just you remember these moments so vividly. Now, not so much. Yeah, I mean, if you remember something that happened a week ago, you're doing good. I mean, and that's that's coming from a guy who's watched wrestling when I'm almost 40. I've watched wrestling since I was about eight years old. And, you know, I can remember shit from 20, 30 years ago like it was yesterday, but I can't remember shit that happened two months ago because it's just not memorable, and that's something we've talked about a lot on this broadcast. But before we go any further, I think we should go ahead and uh, discuss the big pink elephant in the room, and that would be last night's Slammy Award edition of Monday Night Raw via that little thing we like to call the Raw Reaction. All right, everyone. Monday Night Raw is live from Seattle, Washington. The Slammy Award edition of Monday Night Raw and the go-home show to TLC. And we start off with Daniel Bryan versus Fandango. And the fans are behind Daniel Bryan. Flying goat to the outside onto Fandango. Fandango gets thrown into the barricade, but then he starts to get the upper hand. Bryan gets back in control with multiple kicks to Fandango. Fandango misses the leg drop off the top rope. And Daniel Bryan gets the win by kicking Fandango in the head. Very good match. The Wyatt's music hits. And Bray Wyatt's on the Titan Tron and says, It is your ravenous behavior that draws me to you. I do not wish to watch you suffer. 
There's no such thing as a happy ending. And this story ends in destruction. At TLC, I need you to know we're going to hurt you bad. I promise I'll prove to you you're a monster, just like me. Join us, Brian. Now, our hosts of the 2013 Slammy Awards are Booker T. Can you dig it, sucker? And Jerry the King Lawler. At first, we have the LOL, laughing out loud, moment of the year, and the New Age Outlaws come out in the Dumb and Dumber suits. Billy Gunn and the Road Dog. And they have some funny banter back and forth. And our nominees are Vicky Guerrero getting fired, Titus O'Neil throwing up, the Cobra Snake Charming segment with Santino Morella, and the rock concert where he sings to Vicky Guerrero. And the rock concert wins. Now Vicky Guerrero comes out and she says to the rock that this outfit represents her beauty. Okay. Santino Morella versus Damian Sandow. Sandow takes Santino down with the You're Welcome for the win. And we have a biggie Damian Sandow stare down. Now the Shield comes out decked out in tuxedos. And they're going to present the Double Cross of the Year Award. The Mark Henry segment where he pretends to retire with John Cena. Shawn Michaels screwing over Daniel Bryan. Paul Heyman screwing over CM Punk, and Triple H screwing Daniel Bryan out of the title when Randy Orton cashed in. And Shawn Michaels, double-crossing Daniel Bryan, wins. Shawn Michaels comes out and says he can't talk too long. Shawn says, I've double-crossed a lot of people in my career, and now I win a Slammy for it? It's injustice. You sold out, Chance. And Shawn says... He sold out a long time ago, but that's why he's still here. Love it. Classic. The Miz versus Kofi Kingston. And The Miz actually ends up getting the win, but he eats a Trouble in Paradise after the match. I've about had it with these two. Eve Torres to present Diva of the Year. And our candidates are the Bella Twins, Caitlin, Eva Marie, AJ Lee, the Funkadactyls, and Natalia Nightheart. And the Bella Twins win. How two people can win one award, I don't know. Now this just goes to prove, with the right balls across your chin, a slammy, you will win. Cody Rhodes, Goldust, The Big Show, and Rey Mysterio versus Curtis Axel, Ryback, and The Real Americans. Big Show spears everyone Disaster kick to Curtis Axel, followed by a 619 and a big splash, and Curtis Axel is pinned. Your baby faces go over. Poor Curtis Axel. Next award, Superstar of the Year, and Shawn Michaels is going to present this award. And he says it should be the HB Shizzle Award. Now, our nominees are Barack Lesnar. CM Punk, Big Show, Daniel Bryan, Randy Orton, and John Cena. Surprisingly, Daniel Bryan wins. And he comes out, and he and Shawn, of course, have a stare down. Daniel Bryan thanks Shawn Michaels for the HB Shizzle Award. 
And if it weren't for Sean, he wouldn't be here. But if it weren't for Sean, he'd also be WWE champion. Alberto Del Rio versus Sin Cara. Excellent match now that we have someone in there who can actually work. Sin Cara gets a little offense in for a two count. And then Sin Cara hits a power bomb on ADR and a sunset flip for the win. Thank you, Hunico. The primetime players to present the Fan Participation Award. Our first candidate is Fandangoing. The second is Daniel Bryan's Yes Chance. The third is John Cena's Mixed Reaction. And the fourth is What's Up? And Daniel Bryan wins again for the Yes, Yes, Yes Chance. Now, Brodus Clay versus Xavier Woods. And this is a squash. Brodus just destroys Xavier Woods for the win. Continues to beat him down. And both R-Truth and even Tensei pull Brodus off and are like, dude, calm the fuck down. So, looks like this is going to keep going on. The Miz is out to present Insult of the Year. Our first candidate is AJ Lee insulting the Total Divas cast. The second is Zeb Coulter insulting everyone. The third is Paul Heyman insulting CM Punk. And the fourth is Stephanie talking mad shit to the Big Show. And I think deservedly so, Stephanie wins for degrading the Big Show. Stephanie comes out to accept her award and says what some consider an insult is a huge compliment. And you've all realized what's best for business. CM Punk once again in a rematch from SmackDown versus Dean Ambrose with, with the rest of the Shield there at ringside. We come back from the break and Ambrose is still on CM Punk's ribs. Ambrose rolls through with a high cross body for a two count on Punk. Then Punk gets a two count with a kick. This is awesome chance and this was an awesome match. Not as good as their SmackDown match, but I thought it was still great. CM Punk is thrown outside to the Wolves. But Dean Ambrose tells Rollins and Reigns to back off. I've got this. Now, Rollins and Roman Reigns are pissed. And finally, they leave. They just leave. And Dean Ambrose has to eat a go to sleep. And CM Punk gets the win. But Roman Reigns comes back in and spears Punk into around the fourth or fifth row. So there's a little dissension between the shield. Now, the most extreme moment of the year presented by none other than Mick Foley. Now, most extreme moment of the year nominees are Undertaker taken out by The Shield, Cena and Ryback go through the back wall at the pay-per-view, Paul Heyman getting beat up by CM Punk on top of the cage, and the Wyatts kidnapping Kane. CM Punk beating up Paul Heyman on top of the cage wins, and Punk Thanks, Heyman, for being a good target. If you think that was extreme, wait until Sunday. Harper and Rowan of the Wyatts versus the Usos and the Wyatt family gets the win again. Now, Match of the Year Award presented by Bret Hart, who I thought did a pretty good job. CM Punk versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 29. Cody Rhodes and Goldust versus The Shield. Brock Lesnar versus Triple H, and The Rock versus Cena for the WWE title. And Cena and The Rock at WrestleMania 
get the win. Uh, all right. Tamina Snuka versus Natalia. Tamina taps out to the sharpshooter quickly. Does anyone else see Tamina as a threat anymore? Now, Triple H comes out for the Ascension segment, which is basically a whole bunch of former champions in the ring, and both belts are going to be hung high for the last time. Stephanie says, we're joined by some of the most decorated former champions. At the pinnacle of that list is Triple H. Now, unfortunately, Triple H has a lot of trouble continuing because the arena goes on for about five minutes straight with, yes, yes, yes. And everyone in the ring is looking on like, wow. Triple H tells Daniel Bryan, looks like you got a lot of family members here and they all look like you. Randy Orton is introduced, followed by John Cena. Triple H asks both champs to hand over their belts to be hung above the ring. Randy Orton says he knows what Cena is capable of and not capable of. Cena, you don't have ruthless aggression anymore. If you did, you'd have put me in the hospital last week. Orton has all the motivation he needs hanging right here in the form of both titles. Randy keeps talking shit on everyone, how he took years off Mick Foley's life, embarrassed Shawn Michaels on multiple occasions. And Randy says, if there hadn't been a Montreal screw job, he'd have left Bret Hart unconscious in the ring. Everything John Cena has fought for will come crashing down. John Cena mentions work ethic and puts his hands on Daniel Bryan's shoulder. Now, Daniel Bryan, if you didn't know, is from Aberdeen, Washington. And John Cena asks, were either of your parents Hall of Fame members? And Bryan says no. Cena says Bryan has had to work for everything he's gotten. And Randy Orton's been given everything he's gotten. No one could even touch Randy Orton. In the training center, he couldn't be fired. He's been sheltered, and all he does is hide behind Triple H and Stephanie. Randy Orton's blamed everyone, has had behavioral problems both in and out of the ring, and then John Cena puts all of the former champions over, CM Punk, Dolph Ziggler, many others. Great promo. The only legitimate shot Daniel Bryan has was against John Cena, and Cena goes, he won, he beat me. If John Cena wins a TLC, he looks forward to a fair rematch against Daniel Bryan. Being a champion is about respect, and this Sunday will be physical and brutal, but John will be at his best, and Orton had better be too. Because the last thing anybody wants is yet another Randy Orton excuse. John Cena says he has one more statement to make, and it's going to be physical and brutal. Now, John Cena and Randy Orton shake hands, but Randy Orton takes a cheap shot, and they brawl in the ring. Orton and Cena finally are separated, but CM Punk elbows Orton in the face, and then Triple H throws CM Punk to the mat, but Punk gets up and punches Triple H in the face. HBK takes CM Punk out with sweet shit music, then Daniel Bryan hits HBK with a running knee, and Orton tries to drop Daniel Bryan with an RKO. Daniel Bryan shoves Randy Orton away, and Randy Orton inadvertently knocks Stephanie McMahon over. Now, Triple H is 
pissed and hits Randy Orton with a pedigree. And he, John Cena, and Kane help Stephanie up off the mat. And Randy Orton is trying to apologize, but Triple H will have none of it. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how we end Monday Night Raw. Fucking brilliant ending. WWE, you got me. Looking forward to TLC. Now, react to that. sure that I'm getting this right, Bronx. If the right nuts hits your chin, a slammy, you will win. Right. There you go. That was good, my friend. You know, that was the one thing. We're sitting in the chat room last night. I'm talking with you guys in the chat room. <laughs> and when Nikki and Brie Bella won the Diva <laughs> Award of the Year, I thought to myself, is it Bricky? Like, have they merged into one person? I mean, it's the Diva Award of the Year. When when, when the, the, the nominees were the Bella Twins, I thought that they were individually nominated. So, you know, it's either, you know, Brie or it's Nikki. But apparently, they're like the Wonder Twins. They come together and they form one massive being. So I guess if you look at it from that perspective, then the Bella Twins could be your Diva of the Year. Well, to be fair, the Funkadactyls were inducted as a group as well. So that I mean, it, I agree with you. It didn't. It didn't make any sense at all. I mean, I I really, you know, that one. And we'll be here all night if we go through these awards and say who should have really won. But I think AJ should have won that. I mean, you know, still champion for 150 plus days. She's still one of the most captivating divas. But you knew. You knew. It had to be someone from Total Divas. But I can live with it as long as I I don't know how Eva Marie got nominated. Somehow, somewhere, someone has red hair dye on their crotch, but she didn't win. Well, thank God for that. I mean, if she'd have won, it would have been uh, a travesty. But again, I agree with you as far as AJ Lee is concerned. You know, she's been the Divas champion for the longest time. She's had a pretty good year. Uh, again, when I think of Diva of the Year, I think of what did you do in a year to accomplish that? And the Bella Twins, aside from being the girlfriends of both John Cena and Daniel Bryan and being on Total Divas and seeing their life unfold on TV, have really done nothing to earn that spot. Now, I would have been okay with Brie winning it, more so than Nikki. But, I mean, I think that the WWE Universe screwed up in the voting here. There's no way that either one of them should have won. Sorry. Well, I mean, you know, it's not like the Divas division is really that uh, captivating to begin with. So I can live with that one. Yeah, I can deal with that one. Um, really quick, I just want to go over some of these. Match of the year, okay? We got four. We got four different matches here. We got Brock versus Triple H in a cage match from Extreme Rules. We got CM Punk and Undertaker from WrestleMania. We got John Cena and The Rock from WrestleMania. And then we have the match from Battleground, which of the four matches that were nominated, that would have been the one I would have voted for because out of those four, that was the best fucking match. I mean, if you want to make it out like uh, this award should be like for, for like best buildup or confrontation, then maybe I could see John Cena and The Rock winning it. 
But of all the matches that I think were best of the year, the one that I thought was the best of the year wasn't even on the on the fucking ballot, and that would be Daniel Bryan and John Cena from SummerSlam. You know, when John Cena was beaten by Daniel Bryan, what a great fucking match that was. Not to mention, oh, God, was it? No, it wasn't 2012. It was this year. It was 2013. That match on Raw, that sick insane freaking clinic that john cena and cm punk had oh yeah that was another one that should have been on there you know it was it was highly rigged i mean let's face it but you know i i really felt like the WWE universe screwed this one up because if you unless this was a vote that was tallied heavily uh by WWE influence the one that should have won out of those four in my opinion was the Rhodes brothers versus the shield because that was a fucking phenomenal match I can't believe you agree with me on that. Uh, that you know, I said it. That's the, look. You know what? I I'll, I'll shamefully hang my head in disgust and admit it. I voted last night for every match just for the hell of it, and that was the one I picked, no doubt, out of the four. I mean, I think it here again. You're talking about the two biggest stars in the company, The Rock and John Cena, and nothing against them. They and that was a good match, but match of the year, no way. I was there, and it was, I mean, it was an okay match. It wasn't, to me, it was, I mean, even Punk and, and Undertaker was a better match than, than John Cena and The Rock. You know, I've seen John Cena and The Rock at two different WrestleManias, and I still don't think that was as good as, you know, Punk and Undertaker. But of the four, I, re- I really thought that the, nom- the, the winner really should have been the Rhodes Brothers and The Shield. I, I just, I'm dumbfounded by some of these results. But I kind of felt like they did that, so that John Cena would carry home a Slammy. And if you go back and you watch, when John Cena comes out and he accepts the award for Match of the Year, he's not convinced why he got the award either. People are booing, and he's like, well, some of you out there you know, agree with me and thought that this was the Match of the Year, and I thank you. And he walked off really quick and really abrupt. John seems like a guy to me who really does give a shit and I think sometimes I, I wouldn't be surprised if he even gets annoyed that sometimes, you know, th- th- they want to put it over, put him over so much. I mean, you know, it was like uh, just you're right. You're right. He didn't really look. It reminded me of when, if you remember, I think last year he won match of the year. And that was not match of the year. Excuse me. Uh, superstar of the year. And that's when he hadn't done shit all that year. But job. And I remember that acceptance speech was similar, where he was like, oh, well, you know, uh, you could tell, like you said, he really didn't believe the kayfabe. Exactly. Uh, Let's go into the superstar of the year. I thought the placement of this was interesting. Usually that's one of the last two awards they give. But, I mean, obviously they put it where they did so they could build toward the angle. Uh, Obviously there's dissension between Shawn Michaels and Daniel Bryan. Now, of Superstar of the Year, I'm not really understanding why Brock Lesnar got the nod for this one. He's only wrestled, like, what, two or three matches this year. Um, So, again, I really don't know what Brock Lesnar did to be Superstar of the Year. I found that one interesting. But I guess, uh, you know, if you don't nominate Brock, then, you know, people will get fucking F5'd, you know. Brock make decisions! Oh, I don't know. I just don't know. I think, I think seriously, I think that's what it was. It was fear. If you didn't nominate Brock Lesnar, he was going to F5 your ass. Brock, uh, you're, about to, you're about to have a match. Don't you think you should get angry? Well, that's my secret, Vince. I'm always angry. Brock McDecision. Ah, Brock smash. 
Yeah, I don't know what Brock was doing in there. I mean, you know, it, and it's, I mean, the matches he had weren't bad. It's just that, it, like you said, how many of them were there? I mean, compared to guys like Brian, who's had 25,650 fucking matches this year, or even Cena, you know, okay, Cena, you know, is going to be in there. But yeah, I didn't get the Brock Lesnar nod. I mean, there were a couple other guys you could, I would have even accepted shit. Who else could you have thrown in there? One of the members of the Shield or, or anyone but Brock. Yeah, I'm looking in the chat, and Ashley says, let's face it, the winner should have been Sami Zayn versus Antonio Cesaro. We're talking match of the year here. That wouldn't happen because NXT is not a program everybody gets to watch. And when they're doing the match of the year, they're talking specifically for the major programming. You know, Raw, SmackDown, WrestleManias, the pay-per-views. And unfortunately, that doesn't reach NXT. And as much as I enjoyed Sami Zayn and Antonio Cesaro, I got to put the Adrian Neville-Sami Zayn match right there with that one. And, you know, if it were a true match of the year kind of thing, then that one would definitely be a nominee. Uh, But unfortunately, it is what it is. And the Slammies mean absolute dick in this business. They mean nothing. You know, they're a way to further storylines. There was a time when they were actually kind of looked at as you know, supposedly a, a prestigious award. You know, it's supposed to be the equivalent of an Oscar or an Emmy, and now it's just a way to further a storyline. And that's the sad thing. If they would take the Slammies back and actually make it a black tie affair, I mean, you couldn't you couldn't have an arena full of people because they pay to see a wrestling. And, you, you know, I, I would like to see the Slammies taken away from this environment where – they're just done on a Raw, and you've got matches in between. Fuck that. Give me a one-hour broadcast with all the superstars in a black tie like you do for the Hall of Fame and make it serious and make it mean something. People will fucking watch it. I think it would be great. And you can still further storylines doing that shit. Yeah, but the problem is now, once you've taken an ice cream sundae and dipped it in shit for a few years... Does anyone ever want to eat it again? I think they've been so devalued that I think you, you can't go back to that now. Now, see, because- you, you had to bring up the WWE ice cream bars, didn't you? You had to bring it up. Thanks, thanks, Bronx. Appreciate that. Well, it's been a while. It's been a while. But, I mean, it, I'm serious. I mean, you know, you, you, can't, you, you can't take something that was serious, make it a joke for four or five years, and then ever expect people to take it seriously again. You know, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, I used to like it, too, when it was a separate event, and I'd watch it. I don't care. I have no problem. I love watching the Hall of Fame, too. And, you know, that's another event I think that, well, I, you know, you wouldn't like this because you got to attend, fortunately, but you're not a fucking animal. You know how to behave. I think fans shouldn't attend that either. No, I think it should be something that they do inside, you know, maybe have media in there and you know, kind of spruce it up a bit, make it almost like it is, uh, you know, an Oscars or an Emmys celebration. But again, I mean, it is what it is. Again, I, I don't hold these awards serious. I never have. I just think it's funny to watch these categories pop up. You know, the laugh out loud moment, the only clear winner was obviously Rock, doing the Rock concert thing, singing to Vicky. Uh, the Titus O'Neil thing was funny, but do I think it was like one of the funniest moments of the year? Not really. Uh, you know, I even thought that the great Kali Jinder Mahal snake charming thing was much funnier than that. So, again, 
it doesn't really matter what we think. And if they really want us to believe that the fans are voting and the shit's not rigged, I, I really, really can't get behind that. I just don't believe it. Yeah, it's a filler. And I really wish they would add the Slammies last week and basically add the show they had last week this week. I mean, I would have flipped. I'd have no problem flipping those two shows in, uh, you know, the timeline because uh, it kind of, you know, depreciates the pay-per-view when you got all the slammy shit going on, although the ending was good. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have switched the ending. I mean, I mean, let's let's be honest. I thought that and we talked about this. I thought that last week was a great go home edition, but they blew it out of the fucking water this week because, you know, going into Sunday, I didn't have a lot of. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Enthusiasm. Right. I wasn't excited. I wasn't hyped for TLC. But that ending segment, I thought was fantastic. I mean, Orton was just on the fucking money with his promo. I like how he talked about, yeah, I did this to Shawn Michaels and I embarrassed him. And you know, I'm better than everybody standing in this ring. I'm the greatest wrestler of all time. You know, and then Orton, uh, you know, John Cena came in and, and said his piece and said, you know, every time you've been given the ball, you've dropped it and you don't, you know, live up to your potential. And he just really said everything he needed to to really make this personal and actually mean something. You know, when he talked about what it's like to be a champion and then he ta- and then he gave guys like Dolph Ziggler a rub and he talked about Daniel Bryan and he said, if I win this, I'm going to give you a rematch which to me means he's not winning at TLC. To me, that was the old, that was the penultimate right there. When he said he was giving uh, a rematch to him, there's just no way. And the fact that John Cena got the upper hand uh, on Randy Orton leaving this segment, I, I don't think, even Triple H hitting the pedigree on Orton, you know, I just don't see John Cena walking away the champion after this Sunday, maybe we won't have a champion at all. I don't know, but I, I just I think it shifted more toward Orton at this point, just based on the finish. Yeah, and not only that, you know, the one thing that the other thing we complained about last week was having these two, uh, you know, handicap matches. However, something they did last night made me look more forward to the Punk Shield match than I was because it looks like, I'll be honest with you, I think Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins are really getting tired of Dean Ambrose's holier-than-thou attitude. And it showed last night when they basically said, okay, yeah, you know, Reigns did hit the spear. But they basically said, you know, fuck you. You don't want our help? Okay, we'll leave. I got a feeling Dean Ambrose is going to get left to the proverbial wolf Sunday in CM Punk, and uh, freaking Reigns and Rollins are just going to walk the fuck out. And that's that's well, it, it depends on the placement there. I mean, um, it might happen that way. I'd like to see Punk overcome the odds, and I think he will. I mean, right behind Brian and John Cena, he's right there as the top babyface. So I, I could see that happening, um, and maybe maybe that's a good prediction. I, I think that no matter what, even though it's a three on one handicap. I think I think Punk's going to win this one, and I think you're right. We might see some sort of a face turn, if not by one, by two members of the Shield. Because again, they have been playing it up that you know Ambrose has been the douche of the group, which we always knew he was. But they were all kind of douchey together. But now it's just Ambrose being the douche, and they're just kind of sick of it. So I'm liking it. Yeah, and then of course we've got the other handicap match. I don't know what to think of that. I I would say though, if you had to have an award for promo guy of the year i'm sorry i know they're not everyone's cup of tea but i think bray wyatt right now 
is possibly the best fucking promo in professional wrestling. I mean, I just, I can't get enough. He believes in that character so much that it's almost frightening. I think he actually becomes that character for a while when he cuts a promo. You don't see that much anymore. No, I'll give you that. Um, Going back to the Ascension segment with the belts, you know, Randy Orton taking the cheap shot, all hell breaking loose, uh, you know, Triple H throwing CM Punk to the ground, and then Punk just fucking knocking the shit out of him. Boom. You know, just fucking nailed him. And then, of course, Shawn Michaels sees Triple H go down, and what does he do? He hits CM Punk with the sweet chin music, which what? Brian sees that happen. He gets the knee ready to go, and he hits Shawn Michaels with the knee. You know, and we got all this this great shit going on in the ring, and then Randy Orton gets pushed into Stephanie McMahon. She goes down, and what do we see? Triple H goes apeshit nuts, hits the pedigree on Orton. You know, John Cena, being the gentleman that he is, is checking on Stephanie. And, and I want to paint a picture for you because I know that there's this speculation in the IWC, and I've seen it everywhere. I've seen it on the SNS page. <laughs> I've seen it every fucking where for the 1,000th time this year. It's the John Cena's turning heel. Oh, look, John Cena is standing next to the authority. Well, let's backtrack it a second. Since John Cena's come back, has he had any uh, negative interaction with the, uh, the authority? Have they done anything to stick it to him? Since they formed, I mean, when you think about it, there has been no bad blood between John Cena and the authority. Now, a lot of people would say that that would fuel the fire that John Cena's turning heel. I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see John Cena making that turn. It's not going to happen. Well, I mean, you know, like you said, he's the gentleman. I mean, me, I'm, I might be an asshole, but... If I see a, some big dude accidentally get pushed into a woman and she gets knocked down, yeah, I would help her up too, even if it's a woman I particularly don't care for. You know, that's there's nothing in that. That's just John Cena. He'd help Vicky Guerrero up. That's just how he is. I almost see it as there's, and you talked before about Orton going over, there's too much dissension between Orton and the authority. It almost reeks of a setup. It just reeks of them setting up John Cena, and somehow he's going to get screwed over Sunday night. Well, I mean, even going back to that last segment, you know, when John Cena is is attending Stephanie and trying to figure out what's going on and, and helping her up, and he's standing not necessarily right beside the authority, but he's standing in the same vicinity, and he's got this look on his face like, what the fuck, Orton? Why would you do this shit, you know? And then he looks over at the authority like, you know, I don't know what's going on. And again, I can understand why people would say, oh, he's turning heel. I called it. He's turning heel. You know, and I'll say this now. If he turns heel at at TLC, I will fucking come on this show on Tuesday and I will say, God damn it. I should have listened to you guys. You're fucking right. But I'm telling you now, he ain't fucking turning heel because he's got a good thing going as a baby face. He's bringing in what? Hundreds of millions of dollars every year for the merchandise he sells for being the big baby face that he is and why would you take your revenue stream away by turning the guy heel and i know everybody's gonna say well if you turned him heel he might be appealing to the older crowd i I, again i see your point but he's a role model to children right now well, yeah, I mean, you can you make sure, make damn sure you have enough humble pie to cut two slices next week if he turns heel, because I'll be right there with you. You know, I don't see it. 
but I, I do think that there's a lot more appeal in having Randy Orton go over and, and give him this rub. Give him the rub of being the first undisputed champion because there's nothing worse than a heel with Randy Orton's mouth who's going to brag and brag and brag until the end of time, making people hate him even more. And I think John Cena at this point is in a better position chasing. So I, I would I'd have no complaints if Randy Orton goes over Sunday. You know, and, and just judging off that last segment, if ever there was a moment for the WWE brass, Triple H, Vince McMahon, Stephanie, if ever there was a moment for them to listen to the fans, to listen to the reaction, it was last night. Because even though they were just down the road from his hometown of Aberdeen, Washington, Daniel Bryan was so batshit over in Washington. The fans are behind him. You know, he's got sympathy for the shit that he's gone through for the last six months. You know, winning the championship and then having it taken away, basically handed to Randy Orton. And every every chance he's gotten, he's won that title, but he's lost it right back to Orton through some chicanery. So I think it, it's made him a strong babyface. It's made him a sympathetic babyface. And I think that people are behind him. If ever there was a moment that they should listen and see where they should be going for the future. It is now. If if Daniel Bryan is not involved in your main event at WrestleMania, you are making the biggest mistake you could ever make. This guy is so over, and he's the next big star to come along in this business. And if they don't capitalize on him, and it goes back to John Cena being the de facto guy, they got problems. The time is now. Sorry, John. The time is now for Daniel Bryan. It's now or it's never. You put him in the rumble. I don't care if he's number one, if he's number two, if he's number 15, if he comes in at at number 29, if he comes in at 30. If you do not put Daniel Bryan over at the rumble and submit him a shot at the title at WrestleMania, you have completely ruined him. Did you see the look on everyone's face last night where I think that, you know, Raw went over and it usually does. But I think that's three minutes they didn't count on because everyone like Triple H, even Steph was like the fuck when the fans are going, you know, crazy. But, you know, I I read something by a guy who I very rarely agree with, Mark Madden, and he said something. And and I have to give him the nod on this that sometimes people in authority, even football coaches, would rather be right than win. And what he means by that is when we say this guy just can't be a main eventer, it doesn't matter what the fans think. We have to be right. We'd rather lose millions of dollars than be proven wrong. Now, I believe Vince McMahon was a man with that ego. Triple H, not so much. So let's see what they do. But, I mean, I think that entire thing last night, the reaction that Daniel Bryan got from his fellow wrestlers was a shoot. And I will say that I believe in John Cena's heart, he thinks, in reality, that Daniel Bryan's the next big thing. Maybe John needs to step up to Triple H and put in a good word and say, listen, man, you know, and and I can imagine John being a guy who would do this. Listen, man. 
you know, this, what are you doing? This guy's hot. Let's push the shit out of him. But we'll have to see. Do they want to make money or do they want to be right? Well, you know, I'm looking at the chat, and Mac Daddy makes a pretty good point here. He says, what's bigger for Brian, a main event match at Mania or Brian versus HBK in an undercard main event at WrestleMania? I'm going to say this. Mm. I don't know that that's the direction that they're going. I mean, if, if that is the case, and, and Daniel Bryan and Shawn Michaels will have a match, if Michaels wants to come back one more time and have that match with Daniel Bryan, that will do wonders for Daniel Bryan. Don't get me wrong. Shawn Michaels, you know, Kurt Angle, when we interviewed him on WNL a couple years ago, he said the biggest payday he ever got in the WWE was for WrestleMania when he got in the ring with Shawn Michaels. And when I go back and look at that match and watch that match, it's one of my favorites of all time for WrestleMania because Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle were my two favorites at the time. And that match, to me, was more important than either of the championship matches at WrestleMania 21. I thought it was more important than Cena and JBL, and I thought it was more important than Triple H and Batista. So if they go that route, this is how I'd want to see them do it. I still would want Daniel Bryan to be in the Royal Rumble. Maybe he starts off at number one, just like Shawn Michaels did some years ago. And maybe he is in the final four at the end. But if you're really going to set this up, then maybe you need to have Shawn Michaels hit the sweet chin music and have somebody throw him out. And that's how you set it up. But I think you need to make Daniel Bryan look strong, like he's going to win that Rumble. And to me, that's the only way it works. Yeah, but it could it could be good. As much as, like you say, I'd like to see Bryan, you know, go for the title at WrestleMania, but him and Michaels. And then, of course, now, naturally, I would say Bryan, of course, has to go over. There's no doubt. Bryan goes over, and then it's all good. You know, Sean hugs him and cuts a promo. Maybe the next night I'm raw and says, you know, I just had to know. Like, I think when he said it to Hogan after Hogan beat him, I just had to know. And then before he leaves again to go back into permanent retirement, you have a segment on Raw where he's talking to Hunter and says, listen, man, we were wrong. You were wrong. I'm telling you, Hunter, you're wrong about this guy. Give him a shot or, you know, not exactly that verbiage, but it could set up so many other great things for Brian that, yeah, I could see that match happening, you know, and, and I know Undertaker, Sean would want to get the okay from Taker, and I know Taker would have no problem with it. So definitely I'd love to see that. That That's a great booking scenario right there. Well, yeah, and I think I think Matt da- Mac Daddy has a great point with that. I mean, yeah, I, I will agree. If they do do uh, Shawn Michaels and Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania, then that would be a bigger match than the title match. Just off the top of my head, I will say just the the, the two athletes you're talking about, the caliber of a guy like Shawn Michaels and, of course, the guy that's uh, presumably going to be the next big thing in this business in Daniel Bryan, I, I think that that would really work. I just don't know if Shawn Michaels is ready to come back. And if he does, then he's going to have that stigma over his head. Oh, he's just like Ric Flair. He said he was going to retire, and he's back. He's just like Terry Funk. He said he was going to retire, and he's back. I honestly, I honestly feel like at this point, if Shawn comes back, I'll be surprised. But... I just don't think he is. Well, I mean, I don't necessarily agree that that's that's how some assholes will take it. 
but it's totally different. Okay, Sean's been gone a while. It's not like, you know, he retired for a month and came back or six months. You know, Foley even mentioned this in his book. You know, they called me up to come back for Mania. You know, I, I just retired three months ago. It, it, it would, the fans would accept it. At least I would accept it. First of all, this is his student. Secondly, they've had heat. Thirdly, you know that the only way Sean will come back is if he knows there's no ring rust. He's going to be ready to go, and he's going to be able to throw Brian an awesome match. The fans will forgive it. You know, Ric Flair and Terry Funk, that, I'm sorry, I like both guys, but, but they made retirement and wrestling a joke. This would be that really one more match feel. I'd have no issue with it at all. Well, and he, it's got to mean something for him to come back too, right? Putting Daniel Bryan over would mean something. It would be a big deal. So if that's what they want to do, I'm all for it. I'd be happy with that. I, my, my biggest concern is that if we don't have Daniel Bryan involved in the main event at WrestleMania for the title, we're going to have John Cena involved for the title at WrestleMania. And I don't want to see that. I don't want to see John Cena involved in the title picture at WrestleMania. I don't fucking care if Zack Ryder, by some fluke of God, wins the Royal Rumble and gets a title shot against Randy Orton or whoever the fucking champion is. As long as it ain't John Cena. I think that we're done with this. I think that him main eventing the pay-per-view, going after a championship or holding a championship at Mania, is done. Yeah. But, unfortunately, that's probably what you're going to get. I'm, I'm almost seeing... No, that would cheapen Michaels coming back. Forget it. I was always, I was almost thinking Shawn Michaels, Triple H. But now nah, you wouldn't have Triple H come back at, on the same night as Michaels. No way. So I'd squash that. But John will be involved somehow. You know he will. Yeah, good point. Uh, one final thing before we move on. Uh, I want to go back to a Slammy Award that I, I didn't agree with. And I'm probably going to catch heat from some of you, and that's fine. I don't care. Most extreme moment of the year. The Shield that takes out The Undertaker. CM Punk canes the crap out of Paul Heyman on top of the cell. Ryback and John Cena from Extreme Rules, where he spears him through the stage. And what was the other one? Oh, Lord. I don't even remember, and I don't even give a fuck. Now, hold on. I, I, I don't mean to cut you off, and I very rarely do this, but I want to see if I can read your mind. I'm... You know what? I'll hold off. I, you were talking. I'll let you go first. I, I want to see if we agree on which one you thought it should be. To me, this was, hey, CM Punk needs to win a Slammy. Let's go ahead and throw this match out there and make it a big deal. Uh, of all the moments that they had for extreme moments that were eligible to, to be voted on, I got to be honest. Why Ryback putting John Cena through the fucking stage didn't win that? is beyond me. See, I misjudged you. I thought you were going to say Shield taking out Taker just because it, you know, it's Taker and it was a huge push for the Shield. I almost thought that's where you were going. It, it was. It was a huge push for the Shield, but let's remember, Undertaker works one day a year, okay? So yeah. for him to come in and do one match with the Shield and have them beat him up wasn't a big deal. The way that they ended Extreme Rules with that match between Cena and uh, Ryback, where it just ended. There was no winner. You know, they they beat the shit out of each other. And that, to me, that was even a great fucking match. 
Yeah. But for them to go out there and, you know, the ending was Ryback put him through the fucking, you know, set, and they're both out. They ended the pay-per-view with both guys laid out on their back. There was no definitive winner. To me, that's a pretty goddamn extreme moment. And it, it to me, the, the weakest moment of all of those was CM Punk caning uh, fucking Paul Heyman on top of the cage. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, we agreed. I, I I voted for that one myself. You know, it was like Ryback and, and Cena go through that, and I was like, holy shit. And the only thing that was missing from that event was them going off the air with JR screaming, my God, my God. That would have been the only thing that could have made that even more brilliant. But, yeah, that to me – I remember doing Sunday Night Showdown for that show. Did did we do a show? Yeah, we did. We did. And, and we were like, what the fuck? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, we all knew that, that uh, if anything, CM Punk beat the shit out of Heyman more on Raw when he dumped him out of the wheelchair and fucked him up. I mean, that caning was, pfft, eh. Yeah. I agree with you. You know, I'm looking in the chat, and even Tennessee Cowgirl says, I love Punk to death, but beating up Heyman with a kendo stick on top of the cage is not really extreme, which leads me to the point. Let's go back to ECW. Tommy Dreamer getting the shit beat out of him with a cane by Sandman, extreme. CM Punk beating the shit out of Paul Heyman with, with a kendo stick, not that extreme. Yeah, that's true. You know, Edge fucking spearing Mick Foley through a flaming table. That's extreme. I mean, why why didn't they have Big Show choke slamming Randy Orton through the announce table from a couple weeks ago as an extreme moment? That was yeah, pretty that, goddamn extreme. I don't yeah, know. I, I, again, again, it is what it is. This, to me, this was well. We got it. We got to put CM Punk out there to win an award. Let's uh, let's rig the votes and let that one win because of the of all of them, that was the weakest one. But that was the most extreme. So okay. Anyway, the Slammy Awards. I give it two thumbs down. <laughs> Not that great. Sorry. Ending of Raw was the only thing I thought was great on this show. I'm going to be real honest. As far as letter grades go, I give the actual show itself a D. But for that ending segment, I give it a double A plus, which brings my grade up to about a. Wow. I thought about this earlier today. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. I know I'd have to give it a B just for the ending. You know, if the ending wasn't there, well, forget it. But definitely, you know, a B for the ending um, the few matches they had were, eh, they were, they were okay. I mean, Ambrose and Punk, again, wasn't as good as their match on SmackDown, which is when Punk was really sick, which is surprising, but still a good match. But, you know, the other shit, you know, the slammies, it's like trying to recap that shit is ugh, just a killer. So, yeah, I'll tie it up with a B. And to finish off, I'll do my impersonation of Bret Hart. Well, you know, without the Slammy Awards... We're like a three out of ten. It wasn't certainly the best uh, show of the year, but uh, it'll never be the best there is, the best there was, or the best there ever will be. Good night. I've never heard you do Bret Hart before. That was pretty goddamn good. That was pretty close to the fucking mark. Well, you know, Bronx, I, uh, I live in Calgary. Alberta, Canada, with a bunch of uh, Brad Hardmarks. And they all talk like they're out of breath. Wow, that's, that's fucking 
awesome. Brett did look good, though. I will say that. He, he looked better last night than he has in a while, so I'm happy. I mean, I, I don't dislike Bret Hart. He's, he's cool, but he looked like, uh, yeah, another paycheck. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta love Brett. You know, I, I just I love I love that he's standing there doing the match of the you know the match of the year award. You know, and he's talking about you know when he was he won this award a lot because he always had the best match of the year. And I was talking to, believe it or not, Mark the Shark to Carlo today on the phone. Oh boy, I know it's crazy. We live in the same place. You know, he calls me every now and then. I call him. We talk. You know, anyway, he calls me today. We're talking because it's snowing outside. Neither one of us is working. And uh, we're talking about the Slammy Awards, and I guess he's watching Raw while we're talking. And he goes, oh, Brett looks great and everything. And, you know, I did my Brett Hart impersonation, and he thought it was great. And so we're talking about, you know, Brett always talking about how he's got these great matches. And he goes, you know, a lot of Brett's matches are the same. Like, he does the same fucking thing in every match. I mean, you know a Brett Hart match because he's got it laid out the same way. And I said, yeah, but there are those matches with, with you know, guys like Shawn Michaels for the Iron Man match, which – was a different type of Bret Hart match. And then there's the match with Austin at WrestleMania 13, which wasn't a typical Bret Hart match. And then there was matches with The Undertaker, you know, specifically uh, Royal Rumble 96, which was a great match with The Undertaker. So Bret can pull out different matches when he's with, with, when he's with people that can make him look good and that um, he can make look good. But every other match is a Bret Hart match, and it's the same fucking match. So I just thought the irony of Bret Hart saying, oh, you know, I always had the greatest matches uh, whenever I was in the ring with anyone because I was uh, the greatest there ever was. And uh, I know all about what it takes to make a great match. Okay, Bret, you keep believing your bullshit. I think it was Scott Hall who told Bret once. It might have been. I'm pretty damn sure it was Scott that I read this somewhere where Bret was going on and on about all the belts he won. and, And Scott was like, Yo, man, you realize you didn't really win those belts, right? Promoters gave them to you. And Brett was like, the <laughs> fuck? I love Scott Hall. He's like, hey, yo, Chico, yeah. it's a work, eh? You know? I mean, you know, you know, man, you know, the, you know Chico, the endings are predetermined. <laughs> Fucking great. Oh, God. Oh, on that note, I think it's time to take our first commercial break. We're going to come back and uh, we're going to talk with Anthony Farley about what went down this past week on NXT. Do we have to? We are. We're going to talk about the latest news of the week sponsored by Wrestling-Online.com. And a little later on the broadcast, I want to talk about the DLC that was released last week for WWE 2K14, the Moves Pack, the Superstars Pack, which featured the Bella Twins, you know, the divas, uh, the diva of the year. I'm sorry. The diva of the year, the Bella Twins. I want to make sure I get that correct. Yes. The, the current Intercontinental Champion, Biggie Langston. Uh, Fondango. Summer Ray, And, of course, the, the moves pack. There was like 30-plus moves uh, added to the game, which are pretty, pretty fucking cool. Moves like the package pile driver from Kevin Steen and uh, many other moves that we'll talk about in the last segment. And also, in the last segment... I want to talk about something that I checked out today. If you look on the Facebook page, uh, one of our listeners, longtime listener, Patrick Harris, who um, I think I, the first time I ever spoke with him uh, was when I was doing the cause cast with Charles Shane. Uh, he likes to play the wrestling video games, obviously, and uh, he does a pretty good job of putting together stories. I've played some of the ones he's done in the past. He does a, a Raw show every week. 
that you can download on Xbox Live. But he did an episode, uh, he called it TNA Uprising. And he basically contacted me and asked if it was okay if he could use uh, my character as as a commentator in this thing. And I said, absolutely. No problem. Go for it. So I have played through it today. And uh, it's a good story. And I won't give away too many tidbits, but it's pretty good. But I will tell you a little bit about it in that last segment. But uh, if you get a chance, if you're on Xbox Live, uh, type in TNA Uprising and download it. Give it a play. It's, it's, it's a pretty good story. But we'll talk about it in a little bit. Right now, we're going to take our first commercial break and come back with more Unplugged right here on the SNS Radio Network. This is Governor Jesse Ventura. You're listening to Unplugged on the SNS Radio Network. Keep listening. Hey guys, JJ Sexay here. Are you looking for the latest news in both professional wrestling and mixed martial arts? Well, check out www.wrestling-online.com. Sign up for one of the longest-running newsletters in professional wrestling over 16 years. And just like Wrestling News Live, it's absolutely free. Join over 27,000 other subscribers, wrestling-online.com. You will learn to pronounce my name properly. Wrestling dash online dot com. It's Mr. and Mrs. Fandango. All right, the time is now. Hey there, old school wrestling fans. This is your personal ring announcer, Sean Beckerman here, reminding you to download the Pro Wrestling Nostalgia podcast known as Beyond the Bell each and every week on the SNS Radio Network. You know that I'm the cream of the crop. From WCW, ECW, WCCW. The cream of the crop. Back to the NWA, AWA, World Wrestling Federation, to now WWE, we cover it all. Famous Feuds, our 101 series, The Horseman Files, Old School Music, Greatest Managers, Tag Teams, Promos, you name it, Beyond the Bell covers it. Just stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun. So tune in each and every week on the SNS Radio Network and go old school with Beyond the Bell. What you gonna do when the largest arms in the world in Hulkamania destroys you? Hey guys, this is Ashley. And this is Sandro. And we're here to make sure that you check out the whole indie show each week on the SNS Radio Network. As both of us, along with our other co-host Randy, cover everything that you need to know on all things indie wrestling. It's your place for all the most recent indie news and event results, reviews of the latest shows from all the major promotions, and previews for all the upcoming events. 
We also want your feedback on any indie stuff you may have seen as well. Plus, you know, you never know. You might even get a few paperclip references now and then. So for all that and much more, listen to The Whole Indie Show every week here on the SNS Radio Network. Every week on the SNS Radio Network, enter a dimension of sight and of sound, of pro wrestling, of impact and smackdown. Every Friday night at 10 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Mountain, get in the zone right here on the SNS Radio Network with the Bronx Father, covering all things impact, all things smackdown. Tune in. But be warned, once you get in the zone, you can never get out. <laughs> Everyone knows that TLC stands for tender loving care. But on one night, when the crashes are louder, the smashes are bigger, and the stakes are higher. TLC stands for Tables, Ladders, and Chairs. WWE TLC, live on pay-per-view. Now that was the TLC I was looking for. Now back to the show with the Bronx Father and Mr. Money on the Mic. This city on talk radio. Oh, that blew my voice. Welcome oh, back. Yeah, sorry about that. Welcome back to SNS Unplugged. I am, of course, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. And yes, I am a child of the 80s. I, I, I can't deny that. You know, the funny thing is, when I was younger, I, I was really into Starship. And then as I got older, I realized that they were the Jefferson Starship, and then they were the, the Jefferson Airplane, and then they were the Jefferson Starship, and then they were this and they were that. They've had like 20,000 different names in that group. I didn't even know that they were that old when I was younger. But as you get older, you learn things. I still like Starship. And I like the Jefferson Airplane. It's fine. It's okay. And are you lost? I mean, you have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? I have no fucking clue. God damn it, Bronx. Are you kidding me? That's a group I must have missed. I'm sitting here thinking and thinking. The the Jeffersons. I remember George Jefferson. Are you serious, dude? You're not just fucking with me for, like, a good radio moment? I'm not. You're serious. Have you ever seen a little movie called The Cable Guy? Yeah. Remember when they're doing the karaoke and Jim Carrey gets up there and he, and he starts singing that song and it's all freaky? Yeah. That's a song from the Jefferson Airplane. Okay. Got it. The Jefferson Airplane. And I know the song, We Built the City on Rock and Roll. I, I like it. I just God. fucking know the group. <laughs> I, fucking Ace Attitude says he was born in 84 and he knows who the Jefferson Airplane is. Yeah, feed your head. Thank you, Ashley. 
Don't you remember Jim Carrey singing Feed Your Head and he's doing all the weird voices? Oh, God. No, no. I'm thinking of something else. I'm thinking of the Jim Carrey where he redid. Uh, I don't know. Are you fucking kidding me? You, I you, saw the cable guy once, and that was once too many. I'm actually, I'm impressed you even fucking saw the movie. It sucked ass. It, it didn't suck ass. It was a great fucking movie. Oh, come on, dude. Really? Really? Yes. A, a cable guy. I can't get the cable guy to come fix shit here, and I'm going to believe a cable guy's stalking someone because he's a lonely pervert. Oh, please. Nah, man, I, I can't agree that that was a good movie. Are you kidding me? Hang on a second. Just get... Please don't play any Cable Guy clips. I ain't going to play a Cable Guy clip. Thank you. Well, for, for that, I ought to. Yeah, I know. Because you're an asshole. <laughs> hey, I, I make no bones about it. I tell you what, while I'm waiting on this to load up, I want to bring on the line our correspondent each and every week here on Unplugged. He covers the NXT Rewind. He's going to be talking about NXT here momentarily. But wait a second. Here's your intro. Just just wait a second. Just listen to the song, Bronx. This is the Jefferson Airplane right here. Probably one of their most famous songs ever. Can't you just groove to this shit? It's great. And that Bronx is the Jefferson fucking airplane. Did I just smoke about 10 pounds of fucking weed? They're also Starship. They're also the fucking Jefferson Starship. And you like that song. Well, I liked it when Jim Carrey sang it, but I I didn't mind that one. 
Oh, you have zero taste in movies. You have <laughs> shitty taste in fucking music. What the fuck, man? I can't back your play on that. That 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 was one of the worst three minutes of my fucking life. That that is just hard. It sounds like an Ultimate Warrior promo sped up. Wow. Wow. That he just said that shit, folks. He just fucking said that shit. I think the Jefferson airplane just crashed into a fucking mountain. Ugh. On that note, I'd like to see how Anthony Farley's going to top this one. What's going on, Anthony? Hey there, JJ, and there's no way I can top that, man. Sorry. Can you believe this guy? It's Bronx. Can you really be surprised? I love him to death, but god damn, are you kidding me? Like even Ashley is on my side. Like a Tennessee cowgirl says, "Oh my God, fire him now!" Feed my head. It sounds like fucking Nikki Bella singing to John Cena. Feed my head. Oh, Brass Eye says this. This song goes nicely with eleven of his meds. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe that's why I don't have the entire contents of a Genovese pharmacy running through my fucking bloodstream. So maybe that's why I didn't get the song. I don't know. Like an ice train agrees, you should be fired. And Shifty brings up the fact that it was in an ad for Red Faction 2 about two years ago. Well, if you ever plan on playing it again, then please fire me now. Jesus. No, I'm going to take, take this off of you now. And I'm going to put the hot seat on fucking Anthony. Because Anthony's got a job to do. But I bet Anthony knew the fuck they were. And eh, not that much. But Why did you just say you did? Fr- Why did you just say that you did? Wait. <laughs> I say I what not as much as Bronx did. I'm saying I knew about the whole scene from the cable guy and all that. So yes, <laughs> I'm being honest. I set you up not to fail, and you completely fail yourself. That's awesome. <laughs> oh well. Oh, I feel like we're, this is an episode of the Three Stooges. I feel like Mo right now. Oh, <laughs> whoop, 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 whoop. hey Mo. All right, it's time for the NXT Rewind with Anthony Farley. All right, they started off the show by showing a WWE.com exclusive with Antonio Cesaro, asking what his thoughts about Regal coming in and getting involved with his issues with Saxton. Cesaro just says, Regal, stay out of his business. Leo Kruger will come out and to see Cesaro, and he says, don't worry, I thank you for actually taking me out a couple of weeks ago. And actually wants to become a member of the Real Americans. And he said to prove himself, he's willing to take out an issue that Cesaro has with Sami Zayn. Cesaro says, I can talk to Cesaro, uh, Coulter, but if you also do me a favor. And he whispers to Cougar's ear, we don't know what it is. Then we have the first match where it's Paige defending the NXT women's title against Natty. Both women shake hands before the match. This is a great match. It's great. Both people are trading wrestling holds, pinfalls, and all that. It's nothing fancy, but it's a great showing that, hey, deep women wrestlers can happen in WWE if they're given a the shot. It goes for a while till um, Nat, uh, Paige was able to hit her Paige Turner finisher to get the successful title win. Afterwards, the two embrace each other. 
we then go backstage where Lana is talking to Alexander Rusov until Tyler Breeze comes in and wants to say thank you for helping him win the match against own Cassius Ono last week. But Lana's just saying, just shooing him away. Then, um, then just saying that how Rusev taking out Ono will lead to him becoming NXT champion. We then have Mojo Riley being interviewed on whether he's still hyped after being after debuting a couple weeks ago. Mojo says he's always hyped and he hopes that becoming NXT champion will get him to the main event roster. Sylvester LaFord and Scott Dawson would then come in and where LaFord's asking Mojo, hey, you want to join me? I can help you get to the top real quick. Where Mojo's saying, no, I do not want to join you. Then it leads to Dawson basically suggesting a match between him and Mojo, which is accepted. Then we have Agent Aiden English versus, there's no name given by the announcers or shown, so I'm just going to call him the jobber. Which is basically what it was as English just completely dominates the match by getting the quick win by the director's cut. Afterwards, we get another performance. As he's leaving, we get Antonio Cesaro coming out to the stage asking Brian Saxon to come out so he can apologize for what happened last week. Although reluctant, Saxon does come out and accepts the apology. Cesaro then would ask him to join him to do the We the People salute. Uh, Saxon would do it, but not with much enthusiasm. It would lead to Cesaro basically getting pissed off and actually getting physical with Saxon and also wondering, where's Regal? Where's Regal? And it ends with Saxon getting slapped in the face and no Regal coming out. Then we have another WWE.com exclusive showing that um, asking Sami Zayn what his thoughts about losing the title shot, the contenders match against Adrian Neville. Sami says that's how it ha- it's disappointing, but it's only a matter of time that he wins the belt, no matter who's the champion. Before he can continue, he's blindsided by Leo Kruger. So this is apparently the favor that Cesaro was whispering to Kruger about earlier. We then have Kruger going against Tyson Kidd. This is actually there's some history between between these two as was back in February when Tyson Kidd came out with crutches to talk about him coming his injury where Kruger came in now actually trying to prevent look like he was gonna actually attack him the match starts off with Kidd taking control until Kruger was able to take, um, reverse it by working folks on the leg that Kidd recently had repaired it goes on like that even to the point where Kruger actually used the sharpshooter on Tyson it would go though, as the match was going though, Sami Zayn would come out and distract Kruger in long enough for Tyson to get the win. We then have the third WWE exclusive video where Hunico and Camacho are talking about getting their title shot against the NXT Tag Champions The Ascension, which I believe is next week. Um, then it's the main event where Bo Dallas is defending the NXT title against Adrian Neville. The match is basically where Neville's trying to get the upper hand, but every time Bo Dallas would go out the ring. But it was until um, he was able to get a cheap shot when the referee was separating that Dallas was able to take control. And it would stay that way until Dallas was able to uh, miss a, a knee drop from the second row. And near the end, 
Neville was actually do a crossbody from the top rope to the outside on Bo Dallas. Both men are down, and as the referee's counting to the 10, Neville was able to barely get in. So he wins the match, but as a, as a result of a countout, Bo Dallas retains the title. In my opinion, this was a decent NXT show. The two title matches were alright. You saw that women's wrestling can happen in WWE if given a shot thanks to Paige and Natty, which I am hoping Paige comes into the WWE main roster some early 2014. In the main event, I say it was pretty alright. So I say check out this NXT show if you haven't. And that's my reaction to it, to the show. And so next week we're looking, or I guess this week, so for next week on the show, uh, are you saying that it's going to be a, uh, a tag team title match with Kuniko and Camacho versus the Ascension? Is that what, what what's planned? I didn't see this uh, this past week's episode, to be honest. Uh, yeah, it was right. It was right shown right before the main event that they're asking about them getting the title shot, and they said yes, we're we're eager. We take what we want. They didn't specify that was actually happening next week, but I'm kind of figuring it is going to happen next week. Since they had probably the two other NXT titles this week, they're going to have the other one defended this upcoming show. So it's not confirmed, but I think so. Well, then people should probably tune into that because I don't think Hunico and Camacho are going to be a tag team much longer, folks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, good job, Anthony. Yeah. All right. And, JJ, I was wondering, if you could have four guys from the NXT roster be allowed to enter the Royal Rumble, who would they be? Four guys from NXT. Um, let me see. I would have to say Sami Zayn. I would have to say um, Tyler Breeze. I would have to say Callisto, even though I haven't actually seen him on NXT yet. I'm just a big fan of Samurai Del Sol. And uh, to be honest, I, I think that Alexander Rusev would do awesome in the Rumble, so I would say those four. Yeah, but I would probably take out Callisto because he hasn't been shown on the TV, so people would be kind of confused unless you really know what's the stuff behind the oh, cameras and all yeah, that. Oh, oh, okay, 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 I'll tell you what. I'll revise that. Since he hasn't really been on screen, and I'm just he's my sentimental favorite because I like Samurai Del Sol, I'd say Leo Kruger. Yeah, I'll go with Kruger or Adrian Neville. Oh, shit, yeah. I, I, why wasn't I thinking of Adrian Neville? Yeah, okay. And have you been able to see the the, the little t video on the line about um the Sammy, uh, Sammy Callahan debuting with his new NXT character? Yes, he actually attacked Callisto. Yes, I saw the Solomon Crow debut. So, so I think it's potential of working good because I've seen Callahan in the indies. So I think if they give him a real shot, he can work. Same thing with Callisto. Well, you know, it's an exciting time in NXT. Like I said, the WWE future looks bright. They got a lot of young guys and gals in developmental that they're working with that are going to be hopefully the next crop of, uh, you know, the best in years to come. And I think that they've got a good foundation. You know, WWE is not going to be a company that's going to be looking for outside guys from ROH or from Japan. They're going to be cultivating their own talent from here on out. Which means that if other wrestling companies pop up, they'll have a crop of talent to steal from someday. So, there you go. WWE going back to what they used to do, making stars. And I think them showing, I would love that, that NXT was showing regular TV, but doing it right now as a like somewhat 
mainly online show except for um, Canada and all that, it works. And, and let me say this. I like Bo Dallas, but I don't want to see him get a spot in the Rumble this year. Yeah, because remember what happened last year? He came in. He had a little thing against Wade Barron. That went basically nowhere. Yeah, he was there for two weeks, and that was it. You know, he was in the Rumble. He had a feud with, with Wade Barrett for two weeks, and then we never saw him again on WWE television. Don't want to see that happen again. So I just I say NXT continually showing that, heck, the guys they have there are up-and-comers and, and will be probably given a shot the future of this company. No doubt, and it looks bright. Well, I mean, you guys talk about it. You build loyalty, too, because when you have your own – I mean, I almost call it like a farm system. You know, when you – when you're a professional sporting team. You have a farm system. You have scouts who go out and look for talent, you know, in high school, well, college, whatever. Yeah, I mean, you can be a totally independent company. The only bad news for this is, is that people who are already established in, in some other companies who want to come over, they're not going to have a spot. But, you know, that's just the way it is. That's true. But you got people like the guys who are the American Wolves in ROH. David Richards and Andrew Edwards, they got a tryout shot. And as I know, if they're getting another one in the next couple tapings. So there's a possibility of them coming in. Yeah, but with they were the, the American Pit Bulls, right? And, and then Ashley saying next Wednesday is Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards tryout as the American Ninjas. So they've gone from Pit Bulls to Ninjas? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's either going to be next week or the week following. So I'm eager to see what they're going to do with them. If they actually sign them, but what the whole thing about Richard saying, what he said on Twitter about ROH's title is not really meaning that much anymore, and is apparently he has a history in having issues with the companies. We gotta wonder if he's gonna stay along in there long enough. If he does, well, if if you can't play ball with the guys in WWE and you can't take, you know, you go in there with a bad attitude, you know, just ask Cassius Ono, you're not gonna last very long. Yeah, in my opinion about the Ono, it was not completely his fault. It was not completely WWE's fault. It was both of theirs. So, yeah, I, I'm saying there's there's blame on both, but you got to look at it like this: when you, it, it's like the military. When you go into the military, they they tear you down and they rebuild you, and they make you a different person, and you go from being this regular person to a soldier. And WWE is the same way. They take you in, whether you've been a guy on the Indies, and they tear you down and they rebuild you. And that argument could be made for guys that were in WCW, too. Look at Booker T. Booker T is one of the most successful WCW guys that ever worked for WWE. You know, was he given a big push at first? Not really. Not really. Like I said, they, they tore him down and built him back up. And they do that with these indie guys. I mean, look at Daniel Bryan. He's been torn up. I mean, the first season of NXT, the shitty NXT. I mean, Daniel Bryan was shit. I mean, that was not Brian Danielson for sure. But look where he is now. Yeah, and look at Sin Cara. They wanted him to work, but he guess he just never can get the WWE mode. And he's basically now replaced by Hunico, which I think works way better. But see, the bottom line is this. You have to learn to fucking take the abuse. You have to not have an attitude. You have to be able to do as you're told. And I, I don't know everything that went down with Ono and WWE. I really don't. I've heard stuff that he had a bad attitude. He was talking to people about his lack of a push. And that is considered a bad attitude. 
you know, they tell you in the wrestling business, you're going to learn to eat shit and fucking like it. And eventually you're going to you're going to get your day if you're good enough. And that's just the way it is. It's paying dues. Yeah, I mean, he's good in the indies, true. But basically, you come to WWE, it's like, okay, you got to reprove yourself here. That's what happened with um, Cesaro and with Sami Zayn. And they were able to put off a good match a couple months ago. And I would love to see them have like another series of matches on WWE TV. Well, my, my final thought is this. If you come into the company, being a guy from the indies who you know has a reputation for uh, obviously, you know, winning all your matches, you don't like to lose. You come into WWE and you're losing matches and you're losing a lot of matches. Wrestling is not about the win-loss record. It's about telling the story. And a lot of times they put a guy through his paces and make him job to see if he's going to uh, take it, if he's going to do it and be courteous about it, if he's going to roll with the punches, so to speak, and have a professional attitude. And again, I'm not saying that I know what happened with Cassius Ono, but by all accounts, that's what I'm hearing happened with him. I want to make sure that I'm specifying that before people start throwing me under the bus. Say, oh, how could you say that about Cassius Ono? You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I'm just going by the word that I've heard. Yeah, and that's your opinion. Some people might think it's one thing, and some could be the other, and that's their right to choose. Well, I think it's, it's a syndrome of being, you know, when you're in the indies and you're doing really well, you're you're a huge fish in a small pond. Then you go into the WWE and you're like the freaking guppy in the, you know, twenty foot fish tank. You're nothing. You don't mean shit at first. It's like you know when you graduate high school, you're a badass when you're a high school senior. When you're a college freshman, you're a punk. You're you got to rebuild yourself. You're a guppy swimming with sharks. Exactly. And, you know, if, if you're not able to handle that, well, then, you know, that that's that's what I, I mean. John Cena even alluded last night to, to Randy Orton when he goes, oh, well, you know, even in, in the in the freaking, you know, minor leagues, when you were coming up and being trained, no one could fire you because of your family. That was a big shot. And it has some truth in it, you know, for these guys who wouldn't, you know, you you come up, you know, it's like Anthony mentioned Sin Cara. You know, hey, you know, you, you, who the fuck do you think you are? Okay, we're giving you a push, but don't get a big head about it. And, and I think that's what happens a lot of times. Yep, no doubt. All right, well, I think that's going to do it for this segment. Thanks, Anthony. I appreciate you coming on. And as always, recapping NXT. Good job this week. Thank you very much, JJ. All Be right. enjoying the rest of the show. All right, man. We'll talk to you later. We'll talk to you again next week for another rousing edition of the NXT Rewind. All right. All Bye. Right. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and transition into some news of the week sponsored by our good friends over at wrestling-online.com. If you haven't checked out the site, please do so. If you haven't signed up for the newsletter, do that as well. It comes, uh, it, it basically uh, comes to you three to four times a week, depending on how busy the news week is. And uh, just like the SNS Radio Network, it's absolutely, positively free of charge. Isn't that right, Bronx? Yes, Colin Vassilo. All hail. <laughs> and now it's time for the news. Sponsored by Wrestling-Online.com
All right. To start us off, we, we talked a little bit about this last week, about uh, is the original Sin Cara gone from the WWE? Well, the man behind the mask this past week on Raw was actually Hunico, not the man formerly known as Mystico, who was brought in to don the mask and gimmick originally. Uh, if you want to call him that, uh, he was nowhere close to the show two weeks ago as he was in Mexico and he actually tweeted about it as Hunico donned the mask. Now, as you might have heard, that there are rumors that he's done with the company following several injuries and personal issues. Um, apparently, Sin Cara was brought into the company to much fanfare back in his home when the WWE had a press conference in Mexico, and he was the first signee by Triple H when he took over that position. So he was a big Triple H project. Well, it appears, ladies and gentlemen, that going forward, the WWE has decided to go with Hunico. And I say that because on WWE.com itself, they did an article on the tattoo of Sin Cara, which is the tattoo of Hunico. So it looks like all indications at this point are pointing to the fact that, uh, and I'm not, I can't even pronounce his name, the original Sin Cara, the former Mystico, is going to be wrapping up his tenure with WWE in January when his contract runs out. Looks like they're not going to renew the option. And it looks like going forward, Hunico has become Sin Cara. And I couldn't be happier because at least now we finally have a Sin Cara that doesn't botch everything and that can speak fucking English, which means he can work with anybody, not just Spanish wrestlers. This is fucking great. Okay, uh, Irish whip. And uh, I'll bounce off the ropes when I come back in. You give me a clothesline. You go and hop to the turnbuckle and jump off on me. I see. Okay? No, no caprende? See? Okay. You mean not speaking English? We're in the middle of a match, motherfucker. I said Irish whip. You jump off the top rope on me. Come on, let's go. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, you know what, man? I know we talked about this last week, but I'm so glad that Hunico is going to get a chance to shine. As Sin Cara, it's a make or break for him, which a lot of people are already thinking it was a bad idea for Hunico to don the mask because, well, coming out of uh, Raw, it appears that Alberto Del Rio has suffered a concussion. During his match against Sin Cara on Raw, he was on the receiving end of a sunset flip powerbomb from the top rope. Del Rio will be sitting out for the time being. Uh, he's had an impact test done, and they will see how long he'll be out of action. The former World Heavyweight Champion participated in the final segment on Raw last night and is expected to be in Santa Clara today for the WrestleMania 31 announcement, which he was. So it appears that in the match, he was injured. He suffered a concussion off that sunset flip powerbomb uh, that I thought looked amazing. But again, this is wrestling. Shit like this happens. Now, if the next guy he wrestles gets a concussion and the guy after that gets concussion, then that's bad news for Hunico. But in this business, that shit happens. Is maybe the Sinkara character cursed? I don't think it is. You, you, know, you, you know what, though? Uh, oh, God, this is going to sound so stupid. Did anyone ever think that maybe the guy's vision, you know, their vision is impaired due to that fucking lighting? Did, did anyone ever think of that, that maybe you should have the full lights on so people can see what they're doing? I mean, the mood lighting, I just don't see the reason for it. That That's something that can be phased out. I'm, I'm just throwing, you know, shooting at straws here, man. I don't know. Well, I, I kind of hope they get rid of the mood lighting. I've never been a big fan of the Sankara mood lighting. 
You know, and I've never wore a lucha mask, but I can't imagine it's easy to breathe or see through one of those masks that well. Um, you know, I like the mask where you have eye holes, where you're able to see a little bit clearer, you know. Um, right. Obviously, with the Sin Cara mask, we don't have that. Again, I, you know, I watched the match with Del Rio and, and, and Hunakara. That's what I'm going to call him from now on, Hunakara. Uh, and, and I thought it was a good match. And I thought that Hunako did a very good job of executing, you know, 90% of the moves. And, yeah, the Sunset Flip Powerbomb is a dangerous move in itself. So, you know, sometimes accidents happen. I'm not going to say that, oh, Hunico was at fault for that. It was just one of those things that happened. I mean, it's the wrestling business, people. People get hurt all the time. It happens. It's a dance. It's a choreographed dance. Now, if this continues to happen, then there might be a problem. Yeah, and, you know, like you said, it, it happens. And, you know, I'm sure ADR is not you know, angry about it. He knows the business. It, it happens. But, I mean, man, you hear so much about concussions nowadays, and I think it's because they're so careful now, which, you know, they, they should be. Yeah, I read that today. I mean, that's that's too bad. But what can you do? Like you said, it, it's the business. I, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, you know, Sinkara, uh, excuse me, Hunico is, you know, he's just as bad as the original Sinkara. It's one match, you know. Well, and, 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 I mean, let's, let's start to get you off, Bronx. Let, let's be honest here. Okay. The fact that Sin Cara was a guy that, you know, under the other gimmick with, you know, the former Mystico wrestling as Sin Cara, I mean, that gimmick was just basically flushed down the toilet because the guy botched everything he did. He fucking pulled his finger and stopped the fucking match from happening because he fucking dislocated his finger, which to me is the ultimate fucking sin. You know, when, when a guy like Triple H who fucking breaks his fucking quad in the middle of a match and fucking continues to take the walls of Jericho and wrestle the fucking match. And this guy dislocates his fucking finger and they got to stop the match. I mean, look, it's about heart. And to me, Mystico just don't have it. He just doesn't. I've seen so many guys work through injuries. John Cena is like a fucking list of fucking injuries. There was that, that stretch of time where he had fucking multiple injuries and still worked it with a goddamn grapefruit on his elbow. And this motherfucker is going to take time out because he pulls his fucking finger out of socket. I'm yeah, sure it hurt. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure it hurt. But if John Cena can wrestle with a fucking bowling ball on his elbow, and Triple H can wrestle with a fucking torn quad, and Steve Austin can wrestle with a broken fucking neck, and CM Punk can go out there night after night with injuries like broken ribs or, you know, a Bruce Patella, or whatever else he's got, and this guy's going to fucking call it quits because he fucks up his little finger and can't finish the fucking match? Is this the guy you want on your fucking roster? No. The thing I like about what they're doing in Sin Cara is they're reintroducing the character. And I think they've done a good job in the last couple of weeks of getting Hunico over as Sin Cara. And I think that the fact that Del Rio has been hurt on this match is a good thing for for uh, for Del Rio because it allows him to take some time off and it kind of builds up Sin Cara as, oh, he's, he's kind of a threat now. So I think this is a good thing. Even though it's a bad thing that Del Rio got hurt, it's a good thing in the long run because this is rebranding Sin Cara. Right. And, you know, sometimes things happen for a reason. That, you know, I mean, you know, all, all the, the guys you're mentioning, I mean, fucking the, the hell in the cell where – Everyone talks about, you know, Mick Foley going through the table and shit and, and getting thrown through the roof of the cage. Yes, that was 
savage, but Undertaker also had a broken foot during that match. And he scaled the fucking cage. I mean, come on. You know, that, that that's what did it for me. I mean, the botches, you could say what you want. But, I mean, come on, broken finger. But, yeah, I, I, I like Hunico as uh, Sin Cara. And hopefully the character can get rebuilt. You know, just one final thought on this. Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 14 went into his match with Steve Austin with a completely fucked back and wrestled a 30-minute match with Stone Cold Steve Austin and took an incredibly brutal fucking bump to the turnbuckle on his sore back. But he went out there like a fucking trooper and fucking did his job and put Steve Austin over in the middle of the fucking ring with a fucked-up back. And this little motherfucker is the biggest pussy I've ever fucking seen in the wrestling business because he fucking dislocated his goddamn finger. And fucking had to call it quits. And what makes me laugh is I get heat sometimes when I make fun of them. Oh, you're being disrespectful. Fuck you. Can you imagine if they fucking had a match at WrestleMania and the former Mystico as Sin Cara was, God forbid, the champion and first move in, he fucking rolls out of the fucking ring. He fucking slams his head up against the fucking barrier and he knocks out a fucking tooth. Is he going to call the ref out and say, hey, I fucked my tooth up. I can't finish this championship match. Do you ima- Can you imagine what that would do for a fucking major pay-per-view? For something like that to happen? All because he lost a tooth or he fucking dislocated his finger? No, get rid of this fucking guy. Don't re-sign him. They're not going to. They're going to fucking FedEx his ass back to Mexico. Uh-oh. He's done. He's already there. He's done. Yeah. I mean, you know, just... We've given the motherfucker more airtime tonight than they've given him on the internet in the last two years. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I just can't. And, you know, I'm not putting myself over as a badass. I mean, I'm a guy, if I fucked up my finger, I'd probably be upset too. Maybe even go home from work. But I'm not a pro wrestler. Big difference. Well, if I was in the middle of a fucking match, I think I'd make it work. Yeah. You know, I, I got hit with a fucking stop sign. I got a concussion, but I finished the match. I didn't fucking say, oh, time out. I'm out. <laughs> I'm done. Now, how you finished the match, you may not remember, but you finished the motherfucker. I remember waking up in the figure four, <laughs> but I finished the fucking match. Wow. Remember, and remember Kurt Angle when fucking Stephanie had to tell him what he had to do. In that interview on WNL, Kurt said, I didn't know what the fuck was going on, but he did it. Yeah. I'm just saying, you know, you're in this profession. It's it's demanding. It's a hard life, but you got to roll with the punches, and you got to be a fucking man. And obviously, Mystico is not. And Aki THQ man says TNA will sign Mystico on the spot. They probably will, and they'll give him some stupid gimmick, and they'll make him a big deal. Who cares? Uh, oh, I don't know. I think he wants to go back to Mexico. I think he does. You well, know, he, and, and he look, if he, he goes out there and has a great career, you know, fine, good for him. Maybe he just couldn't cut it with the big boys. Well, he he will never he can't be Mystico because they've already got a Mystico. He's been replaced. You know, it's funny how he's fucked all around because Sin is a WWE trademark, obviously. They can put whoever they want. Now the Mexican I don't know the name of the uh promotion, I apologize. But you know that now they've got a new mystico so 
I don't know. Maybe maybe you bring him back as the artist formerly known as Mystico or just a symbol like fucking Prince, you know, a symbol of a guy breaking his finger. I think they should bring him back as Mr. Cryer. <laughs> he should have his fucking match with Mystico and get hurt. I can't finish the match. That's Mr. Crybaby, folks. He's back. Anyway, I've given I've given this guy enough time. I wish Triumph the uh the insult dog were here so he could shit all over him, but I think we've already done that. Let's move on. Well, here here's a great thing though. He's one guy we don't have to worry about talking shit on us because even if he downs downloads this archive, he can't understand it. That's a good point. Well, believe it or not, Bronx, WWE's new chief brand officer, she was promoted. That's right, Stephanie McMahon uh was promoted to chief brand officer. Not only was she promoted, but she has sold another 96,162 shares of her WWE stock. <sighs> wow. Which basically has netted her $1.4 million for these transactions. Stephanie owns just 51,945 shares now, excluding those owned by her husband. In the filing report, she's listed as Stephanie Levesque. All of her filings with the SEC, the SEC are public and can be accessed at the www.sec.gov site. Uh, but look, good for her. Like, she's building a house. She's obviously still got almost 52,000 stocks left. So, you know, she's making money. Well, I mean, not only that. Here's another good reason to sell your stocks. When you know eventually the company's going to be yours, I mean, let's face it, if, if, if and God forbid, Definitely. If Vince kicked the bucket tomorrow, where do you think his stocks go? You know, I mean, everyone takes a, oh, my God, Stephanie's bailing out. She's going to leave the company. She's going somewhere else. No, she's not. You know, she's the heir apparent. So if she wants to make a little money on the side, fuck it. Exactly. Uh, this is a happy story. WWE Hall of Famer Hacksaw Jim Duggan has underwent shoulder, uh, shoulder surgery. And the procedure was deemed successful, according to a tweet from Hacksaw himself. All went good, more damage than they thought, but all fixed up. Uh, attaching, nice. oh, it says it's, uh, it says now. I guess it's no recovery time or something. I don't. I'm misunderstanding how this is written. Uh, attaching a link to his Facebook page where he has a picture of himself in a hospital bed and his arm in a sling. Duggan couldn't afford the surgery to repair his torn rotator cuff in his right shoulder and sought the help of wrestling fans through the popular website Indiegogo.com. He wanted 6500 to pay for the surgery, but ended up with $10,396. So, good for him. I'm glad that, uh, you know, the fans rallied behind him, and it was for a good cause. It was to repair his rotator cuff. It's not like he wanted money to buy TNA, or he wanted money for booze. He wanted money to repair his shoulder. Okay, wait a minute. Well, where the fuck does buy TNA come in? I mean, I thought you were going to say, you know, spend money on drugs, spend money on, you, are you know. Serious? Are you serious? You don't know where that came from. I did, but, but I mean, it's. No, no, you, no. Jake, just, just, wait, wait, no, wait, wait, wait. No, listen. You put, listen. you put buying TNA in the same category as drinking yourself to death. <laughs> listen, don't you remember, what, like a month ago, Jake the Snake Roberts was making the claims that he wants people to, to donate to Indiegogo so he can go buy TNA and he can make the company better? That's what I'm saying. At least Jim Duggan isn't going out there and trying to get wrestling fans to fucking pay for something like, you know, 
buying TNA and making it better. You know what would be the nail in the coffin if TNA ends up on eBay? Can you imagine people? Didn't they have a joke a few months ago that Vince bought it via PayPal? Yes. <laughs> there was also a joke that Sin Cara signed with TNA by accident. <laughs> yeah, I saw Appar- Apparently he was renewing his driver's license online. The jokes just, I, just continue to get better, I tell you. I could just, you, you know what we're going to do? Sankar is going to renew his driver's license today. So what we're going to do is we're going to replace that paper with a TNA contract. Hey, Sankara, you uh, wrestle in TNA now, okay? Just show up here, okay? See? See? Well, since, since we're on the TNA front, the Tennessean has a story on TNA President Dixie Carter, which was published on their website at the Tennessean.com, one of the points touched in the interview was the rumor that TNA was going to be sold, a rumor which the Carter family immediately dismissed through an internal memo issued by Dixie Carter's mother, who heads up the company. We all know Janice Carter. Since we, Carter said, saying a lot of people said they're going out of business and are not going to make it. This last time, I think a lot of it was perpetrated by a story that Billy Corgan from Smashing Pumpkins was going to buy it. Addressing the rumor, the TNA president decided to contact Corgan directly. I texted Billy and I said, oh really? So you're going to buy my company? Are you excited? That's cool. And he said, oh, don't you love rumors, Carter claims? The funny thing is, she wasn't texting him. She was standing right next to him when he said that to her. The Tennessean, okay. It's like a paper. Wrong. Yeah, okay. Yeah. From Tennessee? I wasn't sure Memphis, people in Tennessee. Memphis. They can barely talk there, right? Fucking Memphis. I know I'm going to piss someone off from Tennessee. I know that. So I apologize ahead of time. But yeah, I mean, you know, come on. It's just it's a joke. I don't I don't even want to comment on it anymore. I mean, she I think that company's really going to be sold really underneath. The IWC's not even going to know about it until one day it pops up, it's sold. We will see, my friend, because that is something that's very interesting. Continuing on the trend of pooping on TNA, PWInsider.com is reporting that AJ Styles is, in fact, leaving TNA Wrestling after his current contract, which was extended by two months. It expires next week. Styles has already started to accept indie bookings. Through his agent, uh, Styles, who won the TNA title recently, has taped episodes for Impact, which go all the way into early January 2014, as TNA taped a month worth of shows at Universal Studios. The title situation will be resolved by this time. His last appearance on Impact comes to an end. Both TNA and Styles have not been able to reach an agreement on a new deal, with money being the major reason this time around. Styles signed a short extension to get him through Bound for Glory, which was TNA's biggest pay-per-view of the year. AJ has been working for TNA since the very first TNA weekly pay-per-view and was the company's first X-Division champion back in 2002. His 11-year stint with the company got him a truckload of titles, including the NWA heavyweight title on three different occasions, the NWA tag team titles four times, the TNA legends title twice, the TNA world title twice, the TNA tag team titles twice, the X-Division title six times, and the winner of this year's Bound for Glory series. He's also the first Triple Crown and Grand Slam champion. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is the guy that helped build the house that Dixie thinks that she built. 
And this is the guy they couldn't come to terms with on a contract because he wanted too much money, apparently, for them to pay, even though TNA was built on the back of AJ Styles. That's like that's like if Sting had left WCW. Sting was such a big part of WCW. Well, I mean, you know, Anthony, Anthony myself, and Ashley went over this on uh, getting the zone for about 20, 23, 24 hours. No, really. You know, a few problems. First of all, I'm sure TNA's contract does not specify once your contract's up, it's up, whether you've done tapings or not. And they've taped through mid-January at this point. And what happens if this guy decides to go do indie shows before these tapings air? I'm assuming he can do that once his contract is up. So January 3rd, he's wrestling in an indie show, and a couple days later, you air a TNA with him there. The other thing that we mentioned on Getting the Zone is, once again, you rising from the depths of hell, fire surrounding you. Guess who the TNA Undisputed World Champion is? Magnus. Yes. So there you go. I mean, you know, like I said, I, I don't, I can't see how you let this guy go. I mean, I, I'm sure he was willing to work with TNA. You know, it could have been one of those things. Okay, we'll give you two hundred thousand. No, I want two fifty. Okay, we'll give you two thirty. I mean, the fact that you couldn't resign this guy is like unbelievable to me. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's probably going to be a better future for AJ. I hope so. I hope that he, you know, finds a place to work, whether it's, you know, Dragon Gate or ROH or any of these small indie companies. Fuck, I, I would be okay with him going to, to Japan and doing tours of Japan and becoming a big name over in Japan. I just think that in the long run, this is the best thing for, for AJ. And there's a lot of rumors going around that he might resign next year with the company. Well, you know what? If they meet his contractual concerns and they decide to pay him the money that, that he wants for the amount of dates he wants to work, then, yeah, I see no reason why he shouldn't go back. But I think for right now, this is a good move for AJ. This is a very good move for AJ. Yeah, and it begs the question, you know, if you knew you didn't have anything ironclad, why would you have the motherfucker running around with your title? Well, I just... that They've always done shit like this, Bronx. How many times have they had a champion fucking like devon was the television champion which means dick in this business right. because it was the legends championship which booker t just brought on tv one day and said hey i'm the champion <laughs> you know it was the stupidest thing ever so that title holds nothing to me but the television title was supposed to be defended every week devon was the champion and his contract lapsed and then they re-signed him after his contract lapsed but he was already the champion and then they stripped him of the belt fucking stupid but they do shit like this it's just one of the boneheaded moves that the management of that company is notorious for doing again can't fault the talent you gotta you gotta fault the management and that's just the way it is and i'm done talking about tna wrestling let's move on to other things uh it was announced this past week that wrestlemania 31 will be at the levi's stadium which is being built it will open next year it's in santa clara california so wrestlemania 31 is going to be at levi stadium uh this will be one of the first big events that happens at this stadium it is the home of the san francisco 49ers 
So we're looking at Super Bowls taking place in this venue, and now WrestleMania 31 will host, well, Levi Stadium will host WrestleMania 31. That's pretty big. You know, I mean, if you're, if, look, if you're the mayor or the governor, do you want WrestleMania? Well, fuck yeah. You know, a new stadium. I mean, it, it's just, it's amazing. I mean, it, it's just great. You know, kudos to them for going to this, uh, you know, a new locale. You know, I'm a little butthurt that they've kind of abandoned the garden for pay-per-views, but. It's too small. You know, they want yeah. the stadiums, man. They, I mean, look, at least they did the Hall of Fame this year. I, I was stoked that I got to go to New York to MetLife Stadium because it was awesome. But I was, I was, I didn't care about the stadium. I wanted to go to Madison Square Garden. So thank God I got tickets to the Hall of Fame. Uh, just to, to sit in the garden and, and be a part of the Hall of Fame ceremony for me was, was awesome. As a wrestling fan, you know, growing up watching WWE, you know, hearing about the prestige and the honor that Madison Square Garden holds. It was awesome for me to be in that locale. I mean, I literally sat there with goosebumps, not because the Hall of Fame was great, but because I was sitting in Madison Square Garden, the mecca of professional wrestling. Yeah, that roof that forms like a circle above you, you know, it comes to a, a circle with all those girders and everything. Yeah, I've been to the Garden a few times. I mean, it's definitely. But, you know, I'm glad that, you know, give give a new city a boost, you know, an economic boost, because I, I mean, I read the stats on the money that this city earned and New Jersey earned when mania was here. And it's amazing. It generates money. So you're goddamn right. If I'm the governor or the mayor, hell yeah, Vince, come on in. What can we do for you, buddy? Well, you know, the interesting thing is I'm not that far from California. You know, Calgary is, you know, pretty much right above we're a couple states removed, but we're, we're, you know, we're almost on the, on the West Coast. I mean, we're, we're kind of in the middle there. You know, like we've got, it's, it's Alberta and then it's British Columbia. And then there's, you know, and British Columbia is, you know, where the, where the coastline is. So we've got a little bit of mountains to get there, but I'm seriously thinking that I've, I've never been to San Fran before. I've never been to California. And WrestleMania 31, I might have to go. Yeah, and you can meet up with Farley. That's true. There you go. That's true. He could probably give me a tour of porn country, although I don't know if I want to do that. I'd be a little afraid at this point to to do that, but uh, it is what it is. There's a lot of things going on in California uh, in 2015 that I'd like to be a part of. I know that uh, celebration, Star Wars celebration is happening in April. And I, I don't remember when it is. If, if it's if it's around the first of April, like the first weekend, I might try to take me a two week vacation and take the kids to Disneyland, go to WrestleMania, and then try to hit Star Wars Celebration. If I can get that, that'll be an amazing fucking coup for me. But I, I don't know, man. I'm thinking about going. I, I'm seriously thinking about going. Well, do it, man. You know, see what the card is. You know, it's amazing how many years in advance these things are set. I'm pretty sure that behind closed doors, they know where 32 is going to be, too. Uh, I was just about to announce that. <laughs> because because before I get to 32, uh, the date for WrestleMania is March 29th, 2015. So. Now, that's interesting. What what month did they do it this year? Was It, it was April again, It was April. Right? It's always either April or March. It's either that last weekend of March or the first weekend of April. It's always been that way. Okay. 
That's so, interesting. I, I always thought it was always April. Nope. It's sometimes it's March, sometimes it's April. But yeah. So I just announced that the Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, or excuse me, in Santa Clara, California, is where WrestleMania 31 is going to be. Now, WrestleMania 32 Bronx, and I'm I'm envious of this because I want to go to this one too. We found out that Dallas, Texas. And Cowboys Stadium will be the site of WrestleMania 32. Just for me personally, that's home ground. I grew up in Texas. I grew up in Arkansas. I grew up in Oklahoma. I've been to Dallas more times than I can count. I lived in Fort Worth for many a year. So I want to go to that one too. (laughs) It's kind of crazy. I mean, if I had my druthers, I'd want to go to the one in Dallas for sure. Because that's 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 home territory, right? But I also want to go to I want to go to San Francisco. I want to go to California. So I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna have to try to work my ass off and make some fucking money to go to both. But as it stands right now, if if I can if I can muster it up, I'll go to both of them. Man, the East Coast not getting some love for a few years. Well, goddamn it, you just had it this past year. Yeah, I know. But you we're know, talking California. We're talking Texas. Texas yeah. Which is nowhere near California. It's in the middle of the fucking states. Ah, it's more west than east. Whatever, dude. Anyway, so Dallas is getting WrestleMania 32 in 2016, which is awesome. And to top it all off, there is a new WrestleMania 30 logo, which has the uh, what appears to be a new WWE logo, which was pretty much the WWE Network logo. Uh, but it looks like they're going to be ditching the uh, Attitude Era scratch WWE. I never really cared for that logo. The current one they have, I've never really liked it. So if they ditch it, I'm fine with that. I hope they do. I think they are. I'd like them to go back to the block WWF logo they had, but, you know, change the F to an E. I think I saw, isn't that what it's going to be like? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that concept. No, I, I always like the original logo. I don't, you know, it looks like a kid scribbled this thing. I just never was down with it. Yeah, I'm liking this new logo. So, you know, they're going to have to make new belts at some point with this new logo. Which which bears the question, are they going to um are they going to have the unified championship? Is it going to be the standard WWE championship or are they making a new belt for this thing? I guess we're going to have to wait and find out. I would kind of feel that's a shame though. I mean, that that shithole spinner belt lasted so long. And this new title, this new WWE title, which has grown on me now, you know, it'd be a shame to see it get such a you know short shelf life. But you, you never know; but they you, might. But you know, it's actually been around for a couple of years. They they had this belt ready for about two or three years. Yeah, but it hasn't been on TV that long. So I, I mean, I get what you're saying, but as far as the fans are concerned, well, hey, maybe you can pull off that scratch. Maybe that's why they never put a back plate. You can pull that off, put a nice back plate, throw on the new logo, and use the same fucking belt. See, I'd like to see an amalgam of both belts kind of put together as a, mm. as a unified championship. You know how you've got that big open space with the, with the W? I'd almost want to have, like, the world heavyweight championship type belt in that spot with maybe an eagle and the logo and maybe a globe. To me, that would be cool. It would be it would be unifying both titles to me to make it look similar. 
you know. I don't know how that would work. I'd have to design it, you know, I have to draw it in my mind and put it on paper. But I think if they did something like that, it'd be cool. But, you know, I'm not running the company, so they do what they want. Well, I mean, you know, to say what you want about Triple H, but, I mean, from what I've heard, he's an old-school dude. You've seen, you know, the tag matches that he's brought back recently, and, yeah, maybe he will. Maybe he'll, he'll you know, debut a new belt. It, it, it could work. It could work. We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to, you know, see what they're doing. I know for sure that the world title in its current form is going to be gone. Now, whether they're, you know, going to keep the current WWE title, that will remain to be seen. Whether they just modify it or give us a new belt. Let's see. It's exciting to think about. You know, even though the unification didn't come when and where I wanted it to, it still has me excited. Well, you know, I'll say this. You know, people in the chat, like Mays says, keep the belt that Cena has, which is the World Heavyweight Championship. I know a lot of people like that belt, and, you know, as a traditionalist, it's it's the older belt. And, you know, to me, in a lot of ways, it's a very prestigious belt. But at the same time, it's also the same belt David Arquette held. So, you know, I mean, I understand the history behind the World Heavyweight Championship, but what's the name of the company? World Wrestling Entertainment. Right. It's their championship that they're going to keep. At the end of the day, the WWE Championship is the one they're going to stick with. So unless they make a new belt, it's still going to be the WWE Championship because that's the name of the company, that's who pays the bills, that's who writes the checks, that's the company. Yeah, I agree. But I'd anyway. agree with that. But anyway, kind of moving on. Uh, back to the final story I have. Apparently, uh, we all watched Raw last night after uh, Raw went off the air. Uh, Booker T and Stephanie... And even, I guess, Daniel Bryan, there was there was a Spinneroonie Fest, believe it or not. Uh, let, me, let me read this to you. This is awesome. Fans at the Key Arena last night on Raw were given a 15-minute extra show after Raw went off the air. After Orton and Cena wrestled in the dark match, Cena invited Bryan out to talk with the fans. After Bryan, out came Hall of Famer Booker T, who needed a little something-something from both Cena and Bryan. Booker requested Bryan do a Spinneroonie as the fans chanted, yes, yes, yes. Booker T showed Brian how to do it. Brian followed with a very horrible version. Cena tried it and failed miserably, with Booker calling it the worst ever. John Laurinaitis was then invited to the ring, with fans chanting, no, no, no. And the man formerly known as Johnny Ace tried the Spinneroonie, or a weird version of it. Titus O'Neil was invited next, and he did an okay version. Then the fun gets started, as Stephanie McMahon was without a doubt pushed outside the gorilla position to a large ovation from the crowd after Booker T wanted her to try it. Uh, McMahon didn't want to do it, and Booker showed her how, and eventually she did it as the fans went crazy. The last person invited in was CM Punk, who came out. Don't let me get back here and drag you out there, son, says Booker. Punk eventually came out in his underwear and did it and went to hug Stephanie McMahon. It's a must-see video. If you can see it, you can check it out at wrestling online. Dot com WWE going back to what they used to do, and that's sending the fans home happy. If you remember when Austin and Rock, who were big parts of the Attitude Era success, Steve Austin used to always go out after the show was over and entertain the crowd. Same with The Rock. Whether it was drinking beers or doing an encore, I'm glad to see them kind of going back to that. 
and doing fun stuff like this. That's what the fans need. They need that incentive to continue to come to the shows, to see stuff you're not going to see on TV. I think this is great. This is what the E in this company stands for, entertainment. Yeah, that's cool. I heard about the video. I haven't watched it yet. Probably when we're done tonight, I'll I'll give it a look. But, yeah, I like the fact that – and, you know, the fact that the fans can, you know – break kayfabe and you know cheer people like stephanie who you know they know really isn't the the fans are smart they know that she's just a character so that's that's pretty cool i gotta go back and check that out so punk comes out in his underwear that's what it says and uh according to tennessee cowgirl yeah he comes out in the skivvies it's it's on her facebook page apparently well you know she's got about 750 screen caps of that so oh yeah of course but that is going to do it for our news of the week here on uh, SNS Unplugged. We're going to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up. I want to talk a little bit about the DLC for WWE 2K14, which dropped, uh, I believe, last week. So I've had a full week to kind of check out all the characters and play some matches with some of the new moves. We'll talk about that. And I want to talk about a story that I downloaded today and got a chance to play through, which actually has me as a character in the game. It was pretty cool. So we'll talk about that on the other side of this break. You're listening to SNS Unplugged right here on the SNS Radio Network. We'll be right back right after this. Come get on the train. <laughs> Pippin ain't easy. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Brian Williams, senior game designer at 2K Sports. And you're listening to SNS Radio Network with my man, Jeff Jackson. of the WWE, TNA, and Ring of Honor? Do you like talk radio that pulls no punches? And do you like your sci-fi and fantasy? Well, tune in to the Elite Force Podcast each and every midweek with Chuck W. And each weekend with William Walkie Walker and Mindwipe. Exclusively on the SNS Radio Network and the Chris Jones Gaming Network. Yeah. This is going to be fun. everybody have you ever wondered how you can be even more interactive with the sns radio network well just like the wwe tna and everyone else on the planet we're on twitter you can check out the entire network at sns radio network if you want to hit us up on unplugged at sns unplugged you can check out the whole indie show at twis underscore podcast 
the Elite Force Podcast at EF underscore podcast. You can check out my show at SNS Get In The Zone. And if you want to contact us individually, you can check out our personal Twitter accounts. I'm at Bronx Father. You can talk some wrestling with Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson, at SNS underscore JJSexA1. You can swim in the waters with Mark the Shark DiCarlo at S underscore Tapley, T-A-P-L-E-Y. Harass the power Andy Knowles about The Miz at the power underscore Rewind. If you want to challenge the Rasputin of sci-fi and gaming and <coughs> politics, check out Mindwipe at Mindwipe. You can follow William Walkie Walker at Walker Views. And if you want to talk some old school wrestling, you can hit up Sean Beckerman of Beyond the Bell at Sean Beckerman at S-E-A-N-B-E-C-K-E-R-M-A-N. So don't be shy. Check us out on Twitter and be interactive right here on the SNS Radio Network. Ugh, stupid bird. It's me, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. Just a reminder for you to listen to Sunday Night Showdown every pay-per-view Sunday as I'll be joined by my broadcast partner, the Bronx father, Tony J. Mirabella, Harmony Boom Boom Jackson, and Mark the Shark DiCarlo as we provide the best pay-per-view coverage of the WWE. And it starts at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific time, Every pay-per-view Sunday, Sunday Night Showdown, your home for WWE pay-per-view coverage. I'm a real wild one. Wild one. And now back to the show and two guys with delusions of grandeur, the Bronx father, Tony J. Mirabella and Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. All right, we're back right here. SNS Unplugged on the SNS Radio Network. I am Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. And joining me as always, he is my partner in crime, my co-host, if you will. He is the Bronx father, Tony J. Mirabella. Yeah, crazy show tonight, man. Sometimes we have our moment, our, our moments. We have our moments. Did you know that? Our moments. That was, that was one of them. That was, that was a moment for sure. Sometimes, folks, we have our moments on this program. Got a couple things to talk about before we wrap things up. And uh, one of them being, we want to talk about this last week, but we ran out of time. And uh, didn't bring it up, so I'm going to go ahead and cover it now. The latest DLC pack 
for WWE 2K14. Uh, dropped on December 3rd. And if you had the season pass, it was free of charge. If you didn't, Summer Ray was absolutely free for you to download. But if you basically had the season pass or you paid for the DLC package, this is what you got. You got Summer Ray. You got Fondango. So you got Mr. and Mrs. Fondango, which I'm sure made JBL very happy. You also got the Intercontinental Champion, Biggie Langston. You got the Bella Twins. Pretty good pack so far. And then you got a bunch of moves. Uh, you also got a new comeback for Zack Ryder. I, I couldn't believe that one. But, yes, Zack Ryder has a comeback. I haven't seen him win a match in a long time, much less do a comeback. I didn't know he had one. But wow. apparently he does, folks. And it's actually pretty damn good. Um, so that was kind of cool. But I'm not going to go through the whole list of moves, but I'm going to tell you the ones that are notable. You know, Kevin Steen has the package pile driver. And they did it justice. I think the move looks fucking great. Uh, to me, the DLC was all about the moves back. It was nice to have Fandango in the game. I don't know why the Bellas were downloadable because they were in the game last year, I think. They might have even been downloadable content last year. I don't remember, but they were in the game. You know, Biggie is great. I'm, I'm disappointed that we haven't had a Wyatt, you know, DLC pack. That would, I think that would be fantastic to have. Uh, Bray Wyatt, you know, in a DLC pack. Uh, don't know if they're going further with many more DLCs. I know they have one that's supposed to hit in January that's going to be the Legends pack, which will have uh, Jake the Snake Roberts and a few others in that one. Ravishing Recruit, I think. Um, and those are just off the top of my head that I can remember. But in this one, as far as the moves go, the Package Pile Driver, which you've been able to make, I think last year you were able to make it in the game, this year, you actually get the move, uh, and it's a directional throw, so you can you know move while you have it instead of building it, and it's kind of stuck in one spot. I actually gave that to Zangief as his pile driver finish because it looks fantastic. Um, Teddy Hart, who I've seen wrestle many times, I'm not a big fan of Teddy Hart, but even though I don't like Teddy Hart, I give him credit on the things he does. Like He is probably the greatest professional wrestler that will never make it because of his bad attitude and just the stupid shit he does. But there's a couple moves in there that I've seen Teddy do. The Cradle DDT, which is sick looking. Uh, Teddy is known for doing that. Conan used to do that move. He used to call it the 187. Um, there's also another move. It's a power bomb that gets turned into a lung blower. So you know what the backstabber looks like, right? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, this is a power bomb where you're picked up in the power bomb position and the guy's got you up. And as he's coming down with the power bomb, he lands on his back and puts his knees into your back. So it's a power bomb backbreaker, for lack of a better term. Ooh. And I've seen Teddy Hart do this numerous times and it looks fucking phenomenal. Uh, there are some moves from Adrian Neville from NXT uh, the Red Arrow, which is a corkscrew spinning moonsault, which looks amazing. Uh, they've got the Danielson special, which is another submission for Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan, if you will. That's like uh, almost like a a Michinoko driver, and then he holds onto the arm and gets into an armbar, and it's a breaking point submission, so you can make the guy submit to it. So, and and that's and that's not to name the new taunts and stuff. Like, so there's a lot of cool things in the DLC pack. 
you know, as far as the moves go. There's a lot of really cool moves. So if you haven't checked that out, you know, go on YouTube, and I think I've seen uh, the list of moves. They've got people that did the video and, and shown you some of the uh, the new moves in the game. I highly recommend, if you're on the fence about this DLC pack, that you go and you check that out because I think for the price of admission alone, it's worth it. I mean, even without the season pass, I think it's like, I don't know, maybe an eight ninety nine DLC. I mean, it's still a pretty decent deal considering you're getting – uh, what, like five characters and moves? It's pretty cool. They even added this year, thanks for bringing that up, Kyle. They even added a inverted DDT, which I think is uh, something Heath Slater's been using a lot of lately. But this is instead of one where you pick them up and slam them first or whatever, this looks closer to Sting's inverted, uh, you know, uh, Scorpion Death Drop than anything they put in the game previous. So. Now the people that make Sting every year can actually have a pretty accurate Sting as far as movesets go. Wow. Yeah, it sounds like the characters you get are secondary. Yeah. <laughs> the I mean, the ser- seriously, the, the, the people, the only thing I wanted from the people were like the entrances. You know, I mean, uh, again, there's some pretty cool moves with some of the guys. You get Big E's big, e, big, you know, finish, the big ending, you know, and, and you get Fandango, uh, who is in this pack doing Bray Wyatt's finish. And he's doing a, a top rope leg drop. Uh, so, obviously, when they were making this, he was actually using uh, the whatever the move's called. I mean, it's Sister Abigail when Bray Wyatt does it. But it's like a spinning uh, Russian front leg sweep or something, right? Well, I mean, probably what's cool, too, is for a lot of fans, you get the music. Yeah, you get the music of the characters, too. So, But to me... The bread and butter here is the moves. So again, sounds like it. I'm not going to run down the whole list of moves. I've given you some 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 highlights here. So if you're on the fence, go on YouTube, check them out. If you like what you see, buy the pack. You know, somebody was asking me today if if I thought the game was good and, and warranted a purchase. It's glitchy. It's broken. When I'm playing Universe, I have problems. You know, at any given time stupid shit happens in my universe like i was playing a match the other day uh between my champion and the number one contender and this is just my exclusive universe that has no WWE characters at all it's my video game universe and during the match sergeant slaughter runs out with the WWE championship the old school winged eagle belt and lays out both guys with the belt and he's not even on my fucking roster and there's no cross promotion just out of nowhere, he comes out and fucking attacks me and knocks out the other guy, too, and then he's never seen from again. There's no, <laughs> like, it was just the stupidest shit, and this has happened to me more than once. So, you know, I, I would say that there are some bugs that they need to iron out, and, and hopefully next year's edition, hopefully it's a new engine, hopefully they got new things going. But it is buggy. It's still fun to play. The gameplay is improved. So if you like the gameplay of the game, and you have fun playing wrestling games, I recommend it. Plus, you're able to create things. I mean, I, I can't think of another game where you have such an extensive creation suite at your disposal that you can literally do whatever the hell you want and make literally whoever the hell you want. And arenas and rings and shit like that. Nah, no one else has that. Yeah, so I mean, it is what it is, and I enjoy the game. I'm still, I'm still playing it. I haven't played Grand Theft Auto in a long time, but I'm still playing the shit out of this one. Now, again... That's just my testimonial. If you're into the WWE games and you want to play it, I highly recommend you pick it up. 
If not, borrow it from a friend and see what you think. But I think you'll like it. Now, moving on. Uh, longtime listener Patrick Harris uh, used to listen to us back when I was on the Causecast as Jack and my swag. He's always done a lot of uh, created content. He's always made stories. And he's on my friends list. And so we talk on and off quite a bit. And he's been doing a raw edition every week where, you know, it's not necessarily what you're seeing on Raw. I mean, he's, he's added characters like Hulk Hogan and stuff like that into his Raw storylines. And they're pretty good. And he always does a pretty good job with the creative content. Uh, he contacted me the other day and said he was going to be doing uh, basically a story involving TNA wrestling. And wanted to know if it would be okay to use my, my character that I put online. And I said, absolutely. I put it out there for people to use. You know, you, ab- thank you for asking me. But, yeah, absolutely. Have fun with it. And um, I've seen the finished product. It is on Xbox Live now. If you look up TNA Uprising on Xbox Live, unfortunately it's not on PS3, as he only has an Xbox. Uh, but it's TNA Uprising is the name of the title and the created stories. Check it out. And uh, it basically features me and Patrick Harris as the commentators for Impact Wrestling. The storyline is that TNA has been basically purchased by new investors or whatnot, and things are changing. I think there's a, from what I understand from playing it today, uh, this episode has an eight-man world title uh, tournament. And I won't tell you all the participants, but there are some surprises. And it has an in-depth interview that I conduct with Dixie Carter on her stupid business practices over the years and her claims that they're looking to move in a positive direction. And I got to give it to Harris, man. He, he did a great job of really having me stick it to Dixie and asking all the right questions. I, I, I enjoyed that more than anything. I didn't even actually play the matches. I just I simmed them and watched the matches and watched the commentary that took place between myself and Patrick Harris, which I thought was great. And, uh, again, I highly recommend it. He's looking to get a lot of people checking this out, and if he gets enough people to download it, there will be a continuous episode. He will continue this series on. And from what I saw of it, and maybe I'm biased because I'm in it, but I think he's got a good story here. I think it's better than anything I've seen on TNA television in probably seven or eight years. So I think he's, he's got something here. And I, I can't say it enough, I would like you people to go out and check it out. If you have an Xbox, then download the story. Give him feedback and let me know, let him know what you think about it. But I think Patrick Harris has done a great job with this, and I look forward to seeing what he does in Episode 2, 3, and moving forward. Uh, but TNA Uprising, Xbox Live, check it out. So he did a Dixie Carter. Uh, he did a Dix- uh, He's either made one or he's downloaded one that he's able to re-upload. So that's the other thing. Uh, you can make your characters or you can go on Community Creations and download characters uh, that people have made. But unless they allow you to re-upload them, which means uh, unless you can go in there and fix them up or you're able to uh, take what you find online and if they allow you the, op- the opportunity to re-upload it, you can put them in stories. And that's how people can download them after they've been uploaded. So as long as that you're able to do that capability, he can either download those characters and re-upload them, or he's made them himself. I didn't ask him if he actually made those characters or if they're downloadable ones he's used and put in the story. 
but I know that mine is is one I made myself, put it up for everybody to grab, and he asked my permission. I said, absolutely, use it anytime. So, well, I thought maybe they had you know a farm animal DLC, and he you know got the pig. <laughs> no. Okay. That didn't happen, Bronx. You know, you say Dixie Carter's in there. All right. Yeah. That sounds awesome. You know, I wish I could see it. Unfortunately, I, I don't have a, an Xbox. Maybe one day someone will vidcap it, you know, and put it up. I'd love to see it and well, see, get some details on it. Could could be interesting. But you as the interviewer, that's that's all pretty awesome. Sounds sounds really cool. Well, yeah, it is. Uh, I enjoyed the hell out of it watching it today and, and, you know, playing through the commentary. I thought it was fantastic. And, you know, again, uh, I haven't commented yet because I got I went right from that to, to the show. So I'm going to give him my props on Xbox Live and. You know, I wish other people would do that, too, because, you know, it, it's got a good story. And, uh, you know, I highly recommend you guys check it out. Wow. You just can't get away from TNA, can you? <laughs> well, hey, at least I, I, was, I was featured in a positive light. Now you're interviewing Dixie Carter. And, and I, I, you know, the questions were asked. He did a great job on putting these questions to her and really kind of giving her hell for the shit that she's, she's done over the years. So I was I was very pleased that he didn't have me softball question, you know, like I asked some pretty I, I put it to her in this interview. So, you know, and he's he's less than kind about the status of TNA in his commentary, too. So I thought that this really played well. I, th- this really worked. And I think that even TNA fans will get a will get a kick out of this. It's great that you can do that. That's really cool. And, and I wish that I still had my old PC and I had the equipment that i used to have where i could record the stuff and i I, if i because if i had it i would play it i would record it i would you know edit all the loading out and everything and i would put it on youtube but i don't have the computer anymore i don't have the software to do this with on this computer but if there's anybody out there that can if you have an if you have xbox and you can record off the game then i would love for somebody to record this put it on YouTube, and then put links up on the SNS Facebook page. That would be awesome. Right. You know, and give Patrick, you know, due credit that he deserves and Absolutely. everything. It sounds really cool. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's awesome. So, anyway, on that note, we're going to wrap things up. I'll, I'll check to see if there's any emails. I don't think we have any. There's no emails in the box today. Let's double check. No emails. So, that's going to do it for the show tonight. Um, I am going to be getting in touch with everybody on the network this week. Finally. So those of you that are listening on the archive, if I haven't contacted you by the end of the week, say, hey, motherfucker, why have you contacted me? But I do want to get with people and talk about the upcoming uh, Christmas special that I'm looking at doing. Don't have a name for it, but it is going to be an SNS-themed Christmas special that I'd like to have everyone in the network involved with in some way or form, whether it's everybody gets their own little segment or we all have a roundtable or something. One of the things that I really want to do is uh, after the Slammy Awards uh, Botchamania Award of the Year for their shitty Slammies, there's, there, there's a couple categories I'd like to nominate, like Match of the Year and who we think the Superstar of the Year is and maybe Best Moment of the Year, Worst Moment of the Year, stuff like that. And I want to get with you guys and talk about that and have that on our special show and maybe do a big roundtable with as many people as we can get. That might be chaos in itself, but... It might be something fun for you guys to listen to over the Christmas holidays. But 
like I said, I'll get in touch with everybody on the network this week, and we'll set something up and, and set plans in motion for what's going to happen over the course of the holidays. But with that being said, uh, we are going to get out of here. Make sure you're checking out all the programming here on the SNS Radio Network. Shows, obviously, like this one, which is live every Tuesday night. Shows like Get in the Zone with the Bronx Father. And I think Anthony Farley has now joined you as a host in training. Yes. I guess it could have been worse. He could have been a, uh, he could have been a superhero in training. So he went from being shit to a hit. So I'm guessing, <laughs> I'm guessing that when you call him a host in training, that you realize that makes him a hit. Yeah. Okay. So as long as he's aware that he's a hit on that show and everybody else is aware that he's becoming a hit on that show, then we know what we're talking about, right? Well, if it wasn't a hit, I wouldn't have him. So, there you go. There you go. There you go. But that is every Friday night at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, that's right. This week we might do things up a little bit differently because Anthony, Anthony and I are going to be busy. But there will be a show. So you guys just wait and see what's going to happen. Let's not forget our podcast. Shows like Beyond the Bell with Sean Beckerman. If you're into the nostalgia of WWE or WCW, anything wrestling related, Sean Beckerman covers that on beyond the bell make sure you're checking out that show uh running the ropes is apparently on hiatus talked with maverick this week apparently and he's taking some time off but he's looking to come back uh at some point maybe in the new year uh shows like the whole indie show with ashley and sandro and randy talking about everything on the independent scene make sure you're checking that show out for sure because, see, I don't keep up with independent wrestling. The only thing I know is what I hear from them. And I know that's sad, but at least they keep me up to date on what's going on. Same here. Uh, shows like SNS Sticks and Flicks with Ashley Richardson, who talks about movies and gaming. and He interviews Thor every now and then. You never know who's going to show up on his show. Although he still keeps talking about this free 60, and I, I can't figure that one out. I've never got a free 60. I paid for mine, so I'm confused, Ashley. Help a brother out. <laughs> You're wrong, man. Shows like the Elite Force Podcast. Each and every week with William Walkie Walker and, of course, the Rasputin of all sci-fi and gaming, Mindwipe. And don't forget the Elite Force Podcast Midweek Edition with the recently... And congratulations are in order. The recently engaged Chuck W. Congrats, Chuck. Looking forward to hearing about that. I think that's it. That's all the shows, right? I was just thinking, is it going to be a sci-fi themed wedding? It, it could be. Dude, I hope they get married in like Star Trek costumes and fucking Starfleet dress clothes. That Starfleet dress blues. That's what I want to see at this wedding. And I want to see, you know... Mind wipe dressed up as a fucking uh, Romulan and maybe walkie as a Klingon. I think that that would make the wedding awesome. And because because if that happens, I'm fucking coming in dressed as a goddamn Jedi and I'm going to disrupt the motherfucker. Because to me, that's how we need to do this. It's a family thing. And good for you, Chuck, man. I'm happy for you. Congrats. And at the end of the wedding, make it so, Chuck. Make it so. On that note, we are out of here until the next episode next week 
right here on the SNS Radio Network. Good night, everybody. Happy trails. In the club, baby, you got to get up. Thug niggas, drug dealers, yeah, they giving it up. Low life, yo life, boy, we living it up. Taking chances while we dancing in the party for show. Slip my hoe a 44 when she got in the back door. Bitches looking at me strange, but you know I don't care. Step up in this motherfucker just to swing in my hair. Bitch, quit talking, quit walk if you're down with the sick. Take a bullet with some dick and take this dope on this jet. Out of town, put it down for the father of rap. And if your ass get cracked, bitch, shut your trap. Come back, get back, that's the part of success. If you believe in the X, you'll be relieving the stress. It's the motherfucking D.R.E. Dr. Dre, motherfucker. You know I'm mobbing with the D-O-double-G. Straight off the fucking streets of CBT. King of the beach, you ride to him in your fleet. Look, the feel rolling on dubs. How you feel, whoop-de-whoop, nigga, what? Dre and Snoop chronic down in the lag. With Doc in the back, sipping on yak. Clipping the strap, dipping through hood. Pumping, Long Beach, Inglewood. South Central, out to the west side. This California love, this California bug, got a nigga gang of pub. I'm on one, I might bell up in the Century Club. With my jeans on, and my team strong. Get my drink on, and my smoke on. Then go home with something to poke on. Up, Locus song for the two triple O. Coming real, it's the next episode. episode. HB Shizzle in this bitch. Peace. I'm smoke out. Smoke weed every day. After I smoke weed. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. And fuck you. I'm out. You know, I'm not sure what's worse about having a host in training. The fact that he wants to learn the, the crane kick or the fact that he already knows the whack on and whack off. I don't know what I'm going to do with him. He'll learn. He'll learn. Good night, everybody. Peace.